WTTM 076. You're listening to the Window to the Magic.com podcast. Brought to you by Window to the Magic.com. Surround yourself with the magic. Hello, and welcome to the windowtothemagic.com podcast. My name is Paul, and as always, I will be your guide through the wonderful world of Disney sound experiences. This show is a weekly trip into the world of the Disney theme parks and resorts, and this is the place where you get to use your ears to surround yourself with the magic. Well, hello everyone, and welcome to episode number 76 of the windowtothemagic.com podcast. This is the final podcast for 2006, and before I really get started, I want to take a quick moment to thank Patrick, Calvin, Mouseketeer Greg and the Mice, Brian, and TJ for all their hard work and commitment to Window to the Magic in 2006. Patrick, you're my brother, well, not actually, but you are, and you're my best friend, and without you, none of this could have happened. I sincerely appreciate your hard work and your friendship, and I look forward to it continuing for a mighty long time. Calvin, what can I say, dude? You're everything I ever hoped you would be, and you're making me proud every day. Keep it up, buddy. Mouseketeer Greg and the Mice, you guys are a gift from heaven, and I really, really thank you for joining the Window to the Magic group and for putting all of the effort that you put into making everything that you do for me. It's really, really special to have you guys around, and I look forward to hanging out with you in 2007. Brian, Mr. Summer, without your voice, Window to the Magic would simply be, well, me and my overly nasal voice, and what fun would that be? I appreciate your talent and your hard work and your skills at making us all laugh. Thank you very much. And TJ, you haven't been around for very long, but what you have done while you've been here has been exceptional. I look forward to working with you, and I look forward to everything that you can bring to Window to the Magic. Without you guys, Window to the Magic would just be me, and you guys make the magic too. I look forward to working with all of you guys in 2007 and beyond. I would also like to take a moment to thank my girlfriend, beautiful Terry Woodard. Honey, you're beside me every step of the way, whether it's at the parks or at the pod show parties or other events, and that is just where I want you to be. You are my girl, and I thank you for loving me. I love you too. And finally, and most importantly, I would like to thank you guys, the Window to the Magic listeners, for your continued support, encouragement, and participation this last year. I really do appreciate you guys. The following is a conversation that took place between Ricky Briganti and I. We did one of these last year where we discussed the events of the past year in Disney news and looked forward into the next year. We received lots of positive feedback about last year's show and even got a few emails from you asking if we were going to do it again. And so we did. Sit back and enjoy.
Today is Sunday, December 31st, and this is Ricky Briganti with the Inside the Magic podcast, joined once again one year later by Paul Barry from Window to the Magic. Hey, how you doing? Excellent. Uh, good to still be here another year later to do this all over again. I tell you, it's amazing. A whole year later and we're doing it again. Absolutely. And uh, what we're doing is uh, looking back at the year of 2006 and what happened in Disney. And man, it's been a big year. So I hear. Yeah. I, I remember last year we were talking about uh, everything that happened last year and uh, we thought a lot happened then. But I think this year actually managed to top 2005. Well, let's see if we can actually keep this to about an hour. And uh, if not, well, we'll we'll talk until we're done, I guess. <laughs> we'll see what we can do. Uh, you know, my show is been infamous over the past couple of months of running entirely too long, so we'll see if we can not have that happen. Sounds good. Well, uh, let's see. Last year, I know the big news that we were talking about was uh, Michael Eisner leaving the company and Robert Iger taking over, so how do you think he's done for the year of 2006? Actually, I've been pretty impressed with Bob Iger so far. Uh, the ac acquisition of, uh, of the uh, companies and things that he's pulled in, the, uh, the whole Pixar deal, was uh, was actually quite surprising to me that it happened so quickly, but I, I was uh, I was pretty darn darn happy with it. I think he's done a, a really great job. One of my favorite aspects of what he's brought to the Walt Disney Company is kind of a a newfound look at the use of technology. I know for a long time Disney was you know not so up you know they would use a lot of great technologies in the parks, but when it came to getting things homes to consumers, you know, they were big into extending copyrights and really holding on to their properties and locking them down. But now Iger seems to be pushing for free video online on their websites, video available through iTunes and all kinds of stuff that uh, probably wouldn't have happened under Eisner. And I tell you, I was the first one to, well, I wasn't the first one, but I was one of the first ones to buy something through iTunes when it came out. I uh, I was all over that. I I like the whole you can buy stuff from Disney directly through the iTunes uh, movie store now. That's a that's a great step forward and I'm hoping the park audio is next. Definitely. That's what I'm I'm looking forward to. They've they've offered a lot of stuff that hasn't been available in the past uh, just off the top of my head. They finally released the Black Cauldron soundtrack which was never available and uh, that's on iTunes. So if they put all their catalog of park audio on there, I'm going to be spending some major bucks there. I didn't know that Block Cauldron was out. Uh, well, that, that's new to me. How long has that been out? It's a couple of months now. It's the very first time they've ever released the official soundtrack, and it's on iTunes well, exclusively. See how on top of things I am. All right. <laughs> well, that's why we're here. We'll remind ourselves about stuff that we forgot about, I'm sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. And discover a bunch of new stuff that... Uh, I probably didn't pay attention to in the first place. Well, uh, something you definitely paid attention to, I know when you were out here for MouseFest just a couple of weeks ago, is something that opened way back in January of 2006, or at least that was the uh, first previews, and that was Expedition Everest over oh. at Disney's Animal Kingdom. Oh my, is that a fun attraction. I love it. Uh, I know you rode it for the first time just a couple of weeks ago. What were your thoughts and experiences on that? Well, first off, as I was walking up to it, I was kind of blown away by just how pretty it actually was. Uh, the The approach that you have to take to get to it is is very scenic as you're passing by the uh, the Nemo Theater and such. I came in around that way, around the water, and boy, it just looks beautiful. And that stays consistent through the whole line. It's just, the, the, it's, it's Q-line to the nth power. Absolutely beautiful. It is a, it's a really nice area. I usually come in from the opposite direction, not coming from uh, Dino Land, but coming up through the Asia area. 
And coming from that side, it's just a, you see it from the distance and you just keep getting closer and closer and closer. And you're thinking, how big is this thing going to get? And it just keeps getting bigger and bigger. Yeah, and it, it, it definitely uh, was more than I thought it was going to be. I got onto it and, of course, I was recording binaural, you know, and I thought I'm going to have a little bit of trouble with this because of how fast it goes. And I was kind of surprised by just how much movement you get around on those tracks. It moves pretty quickly, and, and, you know, I like how it's got a, a few stops here and there to enjoy the scenes, and then and then you get that one big drop, and you whiz through all the turns, and of course the giant Yeti at the end is a wonderful finale. Yeah, that the pull back through the tunnel, um, I, I would swear that they've got some sort of induction motors or something pulling you backwards, because it just feels faster than it should be, which really caught me off guard. Uh, being a person who gets motion sick like I do, once we drop back into the dark, I was just thrown for a loop. It was it was amazing, and I was glad to see the projection of the Yeti <laughs> telling me that, it, you know, the backwards dark area had stopped. Right. Uh, yeah, I think it's the same effect you get in Space Mountain. Space Mountain is a very slow-moving ride compared to other roller coasters, but when you stick yourself in the dark and you can't see the track, and especially going backwards, you have no idea where you're going, the illusion of speed really increases oh don't get me started on space mountain you remember when we rode it on sunday and i was uh, <laughs> you know complaining about my back through the whole thing that is one rough attraction the space mountain out here is definitely a lot rougher than it is out there but uh, i enjoy it and, and i enjoy expedition everest as well it's a fantastic addition to the walt disney world lineup and certainly has been bringing the crowds to disney's animal kingdom this year it's going to be a, a number one hit for me every time I go into Animal Kingdom now, and it might actually uh, push the Magic Kingdom out of the top slot for places I go to when I first show up at the resort. Well, that's surprising to me. I, I definitely wouldn't say personally that I would head to Animal Kingdom first, but I did uh, read that just, a, I think it was yesterday or the day before, Animal Kingdom set a new attendance record uh, for the holiday season here, but it's the most people they've ever had in the park at a time, and I have to say that that has to do with Expedition Everest, I would, I would imagine. I would think so, yeah. And that's, that's a lot of people, too. That's uh, if they're actually closing the park. I mean, that's, that's amazing. Yeah, there's a lot of land to be covered there, so uh, well, I'm sure most, uh, you know, a good majority was waiting in line at Everest, and they can only hold so many people over in that area. Now, do you know if they actually closed the park, or whether they just closed I the parking lot? I read that the, uh, actually yesterday, uh, or not yesterday, uh, let's see, what was it? I think it was the 27th, um, they had three capacity closures just for a brief amount of time. It's the first time that they've ever had three parks simultaneously closed. It was the Magic Kingdom... Uh, MGM and Animal Kingdom all hit capacity. Wow. I'm glad I wasn't there at that point. <laughs> I was actually at the Magic Kingdom uh, later that day, about an hour after it hit capacity. Had absolutely no idea that it was that busy. And uh, when I got there, I didn't think it was, you know, capacity kind of busy, but there was definitely a lot of people there. So you showed up right about three o'clock when there's no music on Main Street? That, that time? Absolutely. That's my, my typical time for showing up over there. And uh, <laughs> I saw some 55-minute waits on Pirates and 90-minute waits for the Haunted Mansion. Well, speaking of Pirates of the Caribbean, that's definitely something that happened this last year too, right? We got the, the plus attractions. Yeah, it's uh, another major event for both coasts, actually. It's something uh, that I, I guess doesn't happen too often, that we both get simultaneous updates. And uh, we, of course, talked about this a little bit ago, but uh, 
briefly what uh, what were your overall opinions of it now that you've seen both the one out there and out here well i definitely enjoy the one at disneyland better uh, because it is uh, built into the attraction that i like better but uh, as far as which of the special effects are better they're they're pretty much identical in in both rides so as for you know which is which is better i'd say plus they're identical but then it all falls back to the actual attraction. But the the pluses that they put in, fantabulous. Yeah, I really like them. I haven't had a chance to see the Disneyland ones in person, but I watched your great video that you released. And uh, like you said, it, it seems to be very much the same. I, I went on them just get, again the other day, and every time I see those Jack Sparrows, I think, man, I'm looking Johnny Depp right in the face. Yeah, they're they're almost scary how realistic they are. And, uh, of course, Inside the Magic had a little bit of fun back when we were doing the uh, the rehabs of Pirates. We had uh, somebody who was sending me some inside video and photos, and, and Disney was not too thrilled about that. So you were actually contacted by Disney, or how did that go? Well, uh, what had actually happened with those photos, and I, I've never actually told this on the show, and I think a lot of people would probably be interested, is I, Disney did not contact me, did not say I should pull those photos, but the person who sent them to me said that there were a lot of inquiries going on inside as to who took them, and security was beginning to crack down, and they uh, may have feared for their jobs. So I, out of out of kindness to them, I took them down. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You would have to do that. And I would expect nothing less out of any of the, the podcasters. If we're doing something that's causing somebody some chagrin, we would want to, uh, we wouldn't want to pull it as quick as possible. Absolutely. It's, it's kind of the unfortunate thing about being unofficial podcasts. We, we would all love to be officially representing Disney and being able to get everything to the fans, but we kind of have to go by their rules when, when we have to. Absolutely. Absolutely. Have you seen the, the Captain Jack Sparrow face character out at, uh, well, actually you did because you put out a video. What did you, what did you think of that? I, I think he's really great out here. I, I caught a different one just the other day, and I think the one that I saw was even better than the video that I put out. I remember that video. The voice was kind of not so great, but visually it looked good. But I like the whole performance, the whole pirate training thing. The kids really get into it, and the, whole, and the big crowd gathers, and it's a lot of fun. I know the kids love it, and, and the women seem to love it, and, and the whole shot. I've seen it now on both coasts, and, you know, it's something I can take or, or leave. I've uh, I've watched it a couple of times out at Disneyland, and I, I was kind of stuck behind it at one point while I was waiting for a backdoor pass for, uh, for Pirates out at Walt Disney World a couple of weeks ago, and... Uh, you know, they're, they're, they're interesting, but it's not something that particularly holds my attention, uh, not more than once, for sure. Yeah, I've heard that uh, they're going to be using that character all over the place. Supposedly, he was popping up over on Castaway Key. We're going to have Jack Sparrow running around. They're perhaps going to be taking the restaurant just across from Pirates Out Here and making it a character lunch dinner with Jack Sparrow running around, and they're just going to be putting him everywhere. <laughs> wow. Yeah, that's a lot of Jack. Uh, I guess uh, saturation is uh, is a concern when that happens. Yeah, I, I'd certainly like Jack Sparrow more than I like Stitch, but uh, I could <laughs> see them oversaturating it, like you said. So you enjoyed uh, Patrick's first trip into the Magic Kingdom where we went to Stitch's <laughs> Great Escape? Yeah, I thought that was uh, very fitting for a first uh, encounter to go into the Magic Kingdom, get it out of the way, be done with it, and have fun <laughs> for the rest of the day. Well, that was a backhanded tribute to you, so I'm glad you enjoyed it. Well, I certainly appreciate it. Uh, back to Pirates, though. Uh, have, have you heard anything more about the Pirates of the Caribbean 
suite out at Disneyland Hotel out there? Other than that it's going to cost a million dollars a night? Uh, <laughs> not particularly, no. I, and there's actually very little details coming out of uh, out of the hotel as to exactly what's going on. I uh, I know it's a former presidential suite that uh, that is being changed over, and and I've seen some pictures of it. But as for real specifics, uh, you know, I haven't got any more information. Yeah, it seems, uh, seems like whenever these things come about, there's always this big synergy burst in Disney where they want to include, you know, for in this case, pirates with absolutely everything. You've got a hotel room, you've got it all through the parks, you know, you've got it on the monorails, on, on, on everything, and then it kind of fades out after that. They're like, okay, pirates is fading away. We're not going to say anything more about the suite. Right, yeah. And it, and it was definitely on the tops of the, the news for a while but then it's it's just kind of faded. Do you have uh, information as to exactly how much uh, that thing's going for each night? Or I know it's the, not the actually only thing a million. I know, <laughs> right? Definitely not a million. The only thing I know is that uh, the presidential suite that it's taking over that suite cost uh, around twenty five hundred dollars a night before it turned into pirates. So who knows how much they're going to charge now? Oh, get real, twenty five hundred dollars a night. Wow. Um, would you do that if you had the money? Uh, no, I, I don't think I would spend that much. Uh, coming up in, in May is, is a Pirates event out here. It's a, a merchandise kind of dinner event. And one of the, the things you can do there for, I believe it's $2,200, is to get a whole bunch of, you know, you get a few nights in hotels plus a bunch of dinners and activities. But the main event is that you get to eat breakfast inside the Pirates attraction. That seems a little bit more appealing than just spending one single night in a Pirates suite. $2,200, if they give you three nights in the hotel plus the breakfast, I would say that would probably be worth it. Yeah, a lot better than just that single night. Yeah, well, at $2,500 a night, you know, your average person stays three, four nights. You're looking at ten grand just for your hotel. I don't think so. No, it would, I would have a feeling that it would either be, you know, really rich Pirates fans or somebody who just wants to splurge on a single night. I can't imagine people spending three or four nights in that same suite. Right. Or Johnny Depp staying and getting caught <laughs> in the room. Yeah, I, I don't think he'd be paying at all if he, if he wanted to stay there. I would hope not. But uh, so, you know, Pirates is great. I think uh, they did a really nice job. And uh, now they've kind of moved on to the, the next couple of items that they're installing on both coasts would be both coming out of Pixar, one of which is Monsters, Inc. Right. Yeah, that opened at California Adventure earlier this year. And that is a beautiful dark ride. Have, have you had a chance to get on that yet? I don't think so. No, I haven't. Uh, I didn't get out to uh, Disneyland uh, this year at all, I don't believe. And I, so I haven't seen that. So uh, I'll leave it up to you to, to give me your feelings on it. Well, it's definitely a, a, a class A dark ride attraction. They, uh, they took a huge space that used to be the uh, Superstar Limo attraction, and they changed it over to be a, a trip through, basically loosely through the movie. And uh, it's actually really, really enjoyable as you go through. The effects are, are good. Uh, they've got the minimatronic characters, meaning that, uh, you know, the hand is going up and down just a little bit or the eyes are moving back and forth. They're not full on audio animatronics, but uh, it's it's definitely worth uh, worth the wait if it's 60 minutes or less. I, I go on it every time I go to California Adventure. It's It's a good thing. So do you think its placement over in California Adventure is a good one? I couldn't think of any place else to put it. Definitely not over in Disneyland. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I don't think, uh, anywhere really in California adventure would make any more sense than the backlot area. It's a movie. And, uh, and so they put it over in the movie backlot. It, it works for me. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, that, that seems to make sense a lot more than what's going on out here with the Monsters, Inc. Laugh Floor Comedy Club. Well, that laugh floor means Tomorrowland to me. I, is that, uh... <laughs> <clears throat> just as much as uh, the high school musical stage makes a lot of sense oh yeah saw that while i was out there a couple of weeks ago and that made tons of sense as you're going around on the tta and uh, you've got the doom, 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 of the high school musical <laughs> going that uh, i actually listened to that audio today that we recorded while we were on the tta and and that definitely made tomorrowland tomorrowland for me before we continue with this subject, I just have to make a side note here. I thought one of the funniest experiences I've had on the TTA was sitting next to you riding on there and you pulled out your little phone and you started playing the people mover music. <laughs> yeah, I had, uh, for those of you who weren't there with us, I had the uh, the people mover track, the real fast one, uh, on my PDA. And once we got onto the TTA, I actually uh, pulled it out and turned it up and turned it on. And uh, it, it made that attraction just that much better. It was. A I, good I mean, as, for me, I've never, I never got to go on the People Mover out at Disneyland, but uh, you pulling that out and playing the music and and just pumping it through our little car there, it made me at least feel a little bit of what it must have been like to ride on that thing. Yeah, John Carigliano got a kick out of it too. He was, uh, he was commenting it, uh, commenting about it on his show, and uh, he also found it quite funny. So yeah, it was, a, it was a good time. But anyway, back to uh, back to what we were talking about. Uh, so yeah, the timekeeper has closed. I, I I particularly liked the timekeeper. Not a lot of people did, uh, mostly because you had to stand and lean on the lean rails. But uh, what, yes. what did you think about the timekeeper? Th- those lean rails that he invented so you could lean on them. I loved those. <laughs> Um, I loved that attraction. I, I had a chance to ride that a couple of times. I've been to Disney World eight or nine times now. And for the first couple of times I went, I was able to go on that. And that was fun. I like Robin Williams and, uh, and Rhea Perlman. And, and mm-hmm. I like the whole circle vision concept. And so that was really cool. Now that they're taking it out or they've taken it out and put in this new laugh floor thing. Uh, I don't know. I I heard on the Meandering Mouse podcast that uh, he he played some audio from the tests, and mm-hmm. ooh boy, I, I'm I'm questioning it big time. Have you well, been in good- it yet? No, no, I've actually been steering clear on purpose because I heard such bad things about it. I didn't want to ruin the experience for myself, but the uh, the good news is that Disney, I believe, uh, very recently within the last couple of days, actually uh, released officially to the press that they are not opening the comedy club as is in January as planned. They're delaying it all the way till spring for rewrites and a complete, complete reworking of the script. Oh, thank you, Disney. I appreciate it when they do things like that. Like when they pushed, uh, the Nemo opening back out here at Disneyland, it, it means that they're paying attention to quality more than anything else. And, and that makes yeah, me seems happy. Like- it seems a lot of the times when they're doing guest previews, uh, it's just a couple of days before opening and you feel like, well, I guess it's just a preview and you have no say about whether you like it or not. It is what it is. But in this case, it was actually uh, tests and they interviewed people afterwards and really wanted to know if they thought it was funny or not. And uh, the overwhelming majority said, well, it was kind of amusing, but not really. Yeah, I, I was quite impressed that they were actually taking the time to interview people and and specifically ask them questions about, you know, what what did you think on the audio I heard, they actually broke it down per comedian. 
you know, did you think that that Mike Wazowski's nephew or whatever it was 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 funny, mm-hmm. you know, or just a little bit funny or and they went through each person. And I thought that that was that was really cool that they were doing that. It's pretty risky to call an attraction the Laugh Floor Comedy Club. I mean, you're expecting some big, hearty laughs if you're going to be going in there, especially from a major Disney attraction. So if it's not funny, they've got some some serious problems. Yeah, and I, I'm hoping that when they're done, they'll have something that, that can be funny, and not only once. That's the problem. It's got to be funny every time. Right. Well, I think part of it is uh, similar to Turtle Talk, where there's a cast member somewhere behind the scenes controlling things, and they're able to interact with the audience, and and even the audience is supposed to be able to somehow communicate on their cell phones or call in or text message or something like that. So it's supposed to be some kind of big interactive thing. Yeah, you're text messaging jokes in, is my understanding, and that that's a nice use of technology right there. That, if your cell phone happens to actually work in the building, I suppose. Well, yeah, that's that's a problem. But uh, but the, the whole interaction to where you can send them jokes and then they will pick the funniest one or the you know the silliest one or whatever and and say it. That's that's a great idea. Yeah, I think the saddest thing about this whole thing is all that's left in the t- uh, from the timekeeper now is what I'm holding in my hand right here. It's the uh, piece of distri- Disney history pin that I just picked up, and it's got a little bubble in it, and it's got pieces of the timekeeper's head. Really? Yeah, it's a series of pins they've been running, and so I am now holding uh, a remnants of what was once a fantastic Tomorrowland attraction. <laughs> well, I'll say that's cool, but at the same time, that's kind of sad. Yeah, the same thing happened when they released the Alien Encounter pin recently, and it had pieces of the Alien. It's kind of like, well, I have some of it now, but I'd much rather have it in the parks. Yeah, absolutely. Both of those attractions I would like back, but, uh, you know, it's cool that they're they're selling them and you can own a piece of it, but it's not recognizable, is it? Uh, no, if, if you weren't told what it was, it just looks like a small couple of pieces of glitter. Yeah. It's probably his hair or something. Yeah, that's what it said. But uh, but anyway, you just mentioned a, a little bit ago the Nemo submarines out there. And of course, those aren't slated to open until next year. But this year, we had a couple of Nemo attractions that did open uh, out here at Walt Disney World. Right. Yeah. One of those I got to check out. Uh, that's the Seas with Nemo and Friends over at Epcot. Uh, Epcot. <laughs> and uh, <clears throat> and uh, that, that was interesting um when you rode that were you impressed with it um i was impressed on the level that it was more than the old attraction the old one you you saw everybody get on thinking wow this is a great ride we're gonna go underwater and it never did anything at least this attraction does something and has some pretty cool technology in it it actually it, it it's a fairly cool attraction i i was impressed with it i was not as impressed as i thought i was gonna be but it's definitely a nicer attraction than the original let's go through a straw through the water attraction was. What I like about the Seas with Nemo and Friends attraction is, first of all, the queue is really, really nice. I like the you go through an opening beach scene and then it takes you underwater and ultimately you board your, your clam mobile, as they're calling them. And then uh, once you get on the attraction, it, you know, it just kind of takes you through the film. But, uh, it, you know, it does it in such a way that... 
it's it's just different than other ones you know to see what you were calling the the minimatronics or or whatever term you use yeah that was it. um that would be a little bit awkward with fish i think because there's only so much movement that a fish can do i mean if its little mouth was flapping that would be about it and so to use the the projection screens on there i think was a really a really good use of uh, of technology for this ride yeah, I find it a little interesting, like right at the beginning, they're projecting the fish onto screens that are obviously screens right there inside portholes and things. They didn't even bother to like set them back a little bit so that it had some depth to it. And I was a little disappointed with that. But then when we came around the corner, we went through the EAC and then we went down and uh, and went into the actual tank where you see the in-tank fish um, it, it looked fantastic. I, I was really impressed. I love that part. I think it's uh, one of the coolest things they've done in a really long time. And I actually would have liked to see more of that. One of the disappointing things for me was that whole EAC part is actually the former tunnel that you went through and you could actually see the water all around you. And now it's all covered up and you've got fake water, which didn't make a whole lot of sense to me. Right. But they needed it to be moving very, very quickly. So they couldn't right. have uh, done anything else there. But yeah, that, that was think- really nice. I think the biggest compliment you can pay for that ride is uh, when I rode it for the first time with my wife, and at the very end of the ride, we turned the corner and we were about to get off, and she said, "That's it." <laughs> and 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 you know, it's a good thing when you say that's it. It it means uh, it means it was a really good ride, and you wanted more. Right. Yeah. And well, one of two ways, but yeah, well. <laughs> I I would think that she was looking for more of it. Uh, yes. Mm-hmm. It yeah. wasn't in, it wasn't in the sense that that's it. That was no good. But in that you actually wanted more of the same, wanted it to be longer. So yeah, the, the interesting thing is that the projections at the end are actually so sharp and everything looks so good that it actually looks out of place. Uh, at least when I, when I saw it, I would think that they could dumb up the fish just a little bit so that they looked a little fuzzy so that they looked like they were actually out in the water. I mean, they were vibrant and, and, you know, it looked really, really good, almost Mm -hmm. too good. What's funny is uh, a cast member over there told me that they noticed when the attraction first opened, a lot of people would get off the ride and then look around the corner expecting to still still see the fish swimming around in there, the animated fish. So, I mean, they did a good job of convincing you that they were really inside the tank. Yeah, pe- people are thinking that uh, that there's some sort of projection going on in the tank um, that you'll actually be able to see something going on out there. When in fact, it's my understanding that it's very similar to the Haunted Mansion ballroom effect, right? Pretty much, yeah. Uh, It's uh, almost the exact same thing. You have a big pane of glass in front of you and the projection is just uh, being not, uh, you know, directly on the glass, but elsewhere and you're just seeing a reflection of it. Yeah, yeah. Very convincing. Very cool. And it definitely is making me look forward to what we're going to get out here at Disneyland uh, next year. Yeah, if they're calling our attraction Nemo Light... I can't wait to see what uh, the grand version of Nemo is going to be out there. Yeah, well, we'll definitely be there uh, opening weekend and get something so that uh, we can share it with our listeners and viewers, because that'll be a big one. Well, that's not the only Nemo attraction we've got out here this year. We've also got uh, Tarzan Rocks going uh, bye-bye and uh, and Finding Nemo Musical taking its place. Yep. Now, I had seen Tarzan Rocks a number of years ago, and I thought it was okay, Uh, I had not gotten a chance to see Finding Nemo the musical when I was out there at Mouse Fest because that was just too much. uh, The lines are huge for that thing. 
I haven't even uh, been over there since it opened. I am not a big fan of stage shows. I never saw Tarzan Rocks. I've never seen Beauty and the Beast over at MGM, and I, the list could go on and on. It's just something about that doesn't uh, do it for me, so uh, I can't really say a whole lot on it. Well, I'll definitely be checking it out when I come back for MouseFest uh, 2007. I'm going to spend some more time out there. Because we were up 21 hours a day for this uh, MouseFest 06, we were just running around ragged and, uh, ragged and uh, I just didn't have time to get it in. The line for the, the attraction was actually out and, d- and down. See, I don't know Animal Kingdom enough to tell you how far it was down, but it was <laughs> it was down into Dino Land. I know that. Oh, wow. Yeah. And, and you got to wonder whether all of those people can actually fit into the theater or not. Well, from what I understand, it's a very large uh, indoor theater, which is always good. And I've seen video of it. I saw it during the uh, Christmas Day Parade. They showed a bit of it then. And it looks like a good stage show. I'm not too keen on the idea of them, you know, sticking music into a film that didn't have music to begin with. But uh, I guess for the Broadway buffs out there, they'll really enjoy it. Yeah, the the Broadway plays seem to be doing pretty big uh, recently, and from what I've seen of it, uh, pictures and things like that, and the sound that I heard on the podcasts and things, it sounds like it's it's going to be an interesting thing to see. I just uh, I just hope the lines die down a little bit, just a little bit, uh, before I get out there next year because that's a that's a time commitment. Yeah, definitely. Well, there's uh, there's been a lot of other changes of, of things going on this year as well. One of the most notorious changes was the additions to things out at uh, Disneyland's Haunted Mansion, my favorite attraction, of course. And unfortunately, I haven't seen those new, uh, at least not the bride in person. I haven't seen her. What are your, What is your take on the new bride out there? Oh, yeah, we got Constance. Uh, she's very, very bright. She is a uh, a, a very... Uh, almost all of the projections and things that they do for the uh, the different effects in the Haunted Mansion are very muted. You know, you can see through them and things like that. The new bride is just boom, right in your face. When you come mm-hmm. through that uh, come through that attic scene, you can tell exactly where she is, and it's it's a very realistic effect. It's it's not like the other things that they've done where it's it's a uh, a figure that just moves a little bit. This is one of those times when it's not a minimatronic and it's not an animatronic. Matter of fact, I'm not 100% sure how they do it. Um, but she's she's actually moving and, and her, her uh, flowers become an axe, I believe. Mm-hmm. It? Uh, it's been a while since I've been there. But yeah, from what I from what I understand, uh, right, she'll kind of raise it up and it'll, it'll kind of have that shing sound and then it turns into an axe and just at that moment... The portraits uh, of her previous husbands around the attic all lose their heads. That's an interesting effect. That's uh, I went in to see if I could figure out how they did that one, and uh, it, it's it, all of the heads disappear as you're going through. So you look at them, and sometimes they've got heads, sometimes they don't, and mm-hmm. unless you're actually paying attention, you're not sure exactly what's happening until you get to the end and you see the axe, and you're like, oh, I get it, and it's it's a nice addition. Now, it sounds like a, a very nice addition visually, but do you think it helped the storyline of the Haunted Mansion trying to bring it all together, or did it just add one more element to the already kind of confusing uh, storyline? Well, that's what I was going to say, is what is the storyline for Disneyland's Haunted Mansion? Uh, I've, I've never actually known that there was a specific storyline that anybody could nail down. Uh, very vague storylines that, that people had uh, had talked about. 
but I, I could never actually pull something like in, in Paris, they have a, a pretty specific storyline. Right. Um, and, and I'm not sure that there's even one does, does Walt Disney worlds have a more cohesive storyline? No, most definitely not. Yeah. Um, yeah, the only that. thing that almost hints at a storyline is we have a line in our version out here because we have the, the library scene, which is not out there. And the ghost host says something about the ghosts retiring to the haunted mansion. So some people have kind of taken that and spun it to mean it's simply a ghost retirement home and there's not a whole lot more to it. Right. Yeah. And, and that's the same thing that I get the impression out at Disneyland. There isn't really a cohesive storyline to, to add to, so when they put her in, it was just a technology upgrade in, in my eyes. I don't think it, uh, it helped it or hurt it. But it really does depend on who you talk to. I uh, interviewed Kat Cressida a few weeks ago or uh, back on the Halloween show who she uh, is one of the people involved with that new bride. She provides the voice. Um, and she was almost offended by the comment that there is no storyline because she grew up with her father who was uh, a big person as far uh, in the Disney world. He worked with a lot of Imagineers and knowing the whole story from him directly um, she had grown up with it, this whole story about the sea mariner and, and all these different things that went on. But it's, you know, to me, just riding the ride, I don't see hardly any of that come across. A sea mariner? I, <laughs> okay. Yeah, it's, it's this big story with, a, you know, because it's in New Orleans Square and there's the big waterway right there in uh, New Orleans and something about a sea captain. And he, you actually... Uh, it's not even worth getting into. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Well, did, did she actually tell you the whole story? No, uh, actually, if you want to hear the story, you have to go to doombuggies.com. They released a special podcast of her telling the official story. Oh, that's what that was. Okay. I, I never, uh, I never listened to that. So I should probably, it's pretty much that. the first time that story has ever made it out into the general public. So for it to take this many years for that story to reach means that it didn't really get across too well. Yeah, absolutely. Now th that one that's at doombuggies.com, that's actually the Disneyland storyline supposedly yes supposedly okay well I'll, I'll have to go over and check that out so uh, earlier this year moving on to other topics here you and i talked about uh, mission space a little bit and uh we don't want to go way too in depth in that but uh, let's let's go over the changes that happened this year on that popular attraction over at epcot yeah you call it mission space i call it motion sick <laughs> uh, definitely a, a a thrill ride with no uh, no cousins, no nephews, nothing. There isn't anything that touches that thing. Um, when I wrote it, I got so sick, and I was really glad to see that they put a tamer version in to uh, to kind of help with the problems that they were having. Right, so now there's the green team and the orange team, one of which uh, has all the really advanced centrifuge technology that Disney paid millions of dollars for to make you feel like you're really blasting off into space and to get lots and lots of people sick. And then you've got the other one where they completely forget about all that and just basically turn it into a small motion simulator a la Star Tours almost. Did you have a chance to ride the Tamer one? Boy, I wish I could say that I did, but I didn't. <laughs> um, Patrick actually said when we walked into uh, Epcot, he said, I'm not getting anywhere near Mission Space uh, and I'm not getting anywhere near Journey into Your Imagination. And I asked him, uh, you know, why not uh, for Mission Space? And he said that on the off chance that it made him ill, he didn't want to lose any time. 
And since we don't know, neither of us had been on the tamer version. We didn't know whether we were going to get sick on that one or not either. Have you, have you ridden the, the tamer one yet? I have, I've ridden both and the tame one, if it gets you sick, then that would really surprise me because it's tamer, I would say, than Star Tours. Huh. So it's the El Rio del Tiempo of space rides then? (laughs) I don't know if I would go that far. It is still fun. I mean, you still, you know, you don't have a frame of reference around you. You're in this little tiny cockpit, so you don't know where these forces are coming from. So when they tilt you onto your back, it really feels like something's pushing against you because you don't realize you've been tilted on your back. So it still gives a little bit of the illusion of, you know, blasting off into space and having the motion, but it's nowhere near the full version. Well, I'm I'm gonna have to try that. I I told Calvin uh, that the next time we go to Epcot, when we don't have any commitments, that I'm gonna write it at you know right at seven o'clock. Right, you know, I'll stand and wait until they close the attraction, and right as they're closing it, I'll get in line so that it's just absolutely the last thing I do on that day. So that if it gets me ill, I can go home and go to bed. I would I would be very surprised, even with your motion sickness, I would be very surprised if you got it all ill on the Tamer version. Yeah, well, that's good to know, because I, uh, I definitely enjoyed the attraction. Like I said before, I actually wrote it uh, knowing that I was going to get ill and that, uh, you know, I, I wasn't 100% sure whether I would write it again. Now that the Tamer version's in, obviously I'm going to write it again, but when we were at MouseFest, I just couldn't take the sure. chance, you know? Now, I have to ask, you said uh, Patrick made two comments. One was that he didn't want to get ill from riding Mission Space. Was his reason for not riding Journey into Your Imagination because he also didn't want to get ill at the changes? <laughs> Beautiful. Uh, he, yes, actually. Uh, it was He had seen and heard what had gone on over there, and uh, he, he just he knew we had limited time, and he knew that it, it would be there when we got back, and if it wasn't it wasn't anything to uh, to feel too bad about. So, Certainly not. Yeah, absolutely. So that's uh, that's a, a a good change over there. Mission space is is uh, is good. I'm looking forward to writing it again because boy, that was a blast. Now uh, another change that I was really uh, disappointed to hear in the beginning and haven't really heard too much about since was that uh, out at Disneyland back on your coast again we had heard that the Dapper Dans were going away and then it turns out that they were just making them kind of reinvented and to be younger. Have you seen the new version of the Dapper Dans? I have. I was actually there right uh, right after they came out and uh, it's an interesting change. Uh, they're definitely younger. Uh, they're definitely more choreographed than they were before. Previously, the Dapper Dans came out and they had their shtick that they did. And, you know, it was fun. It was entertaining. You could sing along. They had a good variety of songs that they could sing. You never knew what you were going to get. When the Dans walked out, it was like, ooh, here's the Dapper Dans. Let's go out and check them out. And, you know, even if you heard the same songs, Everything was was just it was just so tried and true. Everything was good. And when I saw the new Dapper Dans, I was really impressed. I mean, they had choreography. They were, you know, moving all over the place. They were in your face. They came out and sang to uh, we have Mouseketeer Greg and the mice that were there at one point. And they came out and they sang to one of them and they just, you know, really involved the audience and and kind of pull you in more than the original Dan's did, which is great. Um, however, I've discovered on subsequent 
viewings that it is a kind of a trend that Disney is going to. They're following along where they have a script that they work off of. So the one o'clock show, they come out and they sing these songs. There's these jokes. And then they do this and they go away. At three o'clock, they come out and it's this script. So for those of us who mm. go a lot, I'm, I'm sensing a loss in reviewability. Yeah, that is, seems a little bit strange to me. Um, you know, I don't catch a whole lot of musical acts out here just because I go at odd times, I guess. And when I do, I'm always happy to see something new. I catch the ragtime player at Casey's Corner a lot, and every time I see him, he's playing completely different songs. If he were to play the same ones every time, it would get a little bit old. Yeah, and and like uh, Tony over at Above the Firehouse uh, went in and recorded the Dan's uh, at one point for his show and I listened to his show and it was exactly the same set that I had recorded months mm -hmm. earlier. And, and I was like, wait a second, this isn't good. So I'm, I'm hoping that it is just because they're still new. I asked them because I've, I actually have barber shopped a little myself. Um, I actually asked them if they knew a certain song. Um, and they said that they had not learned it yet. So I think they're mm. still so new that right. they've got a very limited repertoire. And um, so that that may be the problem is they're just so new that there's just very little that they know. Yeah, I know the the older uh, the previous Dapper Dan's out there had been there in, in, you know, some form or another for a very long time. And, and the latest incarnation were almost, you know, pseudo celebrities in the Disney world. I would recognize them at, when I went out there each and every year it would be much of the same guys, if not the exact same guys. And I was always really excited to see them. So I don't I don't know how I'll feel to see kind of a staged performance in the future. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. The original Dan's, I think, were actually on the property when Disney bought it. Um, I, I think they built Disneyland around the Dan's, uh, because they had been there for so long. And, uh, and like you said, they were, they were pseudo celebrities and we all knew them. And when somebody switched out, they had a day off. We're like, Hey, where's, you know, and, right. and it would go from there. So yeah, I, I agree. It's, it's going to be interesting for you to see them. If you just see them once, you may be completely impressed, uh, I, I, I don't know how that'll work, to be honest with you. You'll have to let us know. Now, I remember you had uh, mentioned that on your show, uh, the music, live music over in New Orleans Square was also undergoing a radical change. What's happened with that? Well, they actually got rid of the Bayou Brass and the Side Street Strutters um, bands that were in the park. They were actually outside bands. Now I'm not a hundred percent sure on the side street strutters that they were outside, but I, I know the Bayou Brass were actually hired to play in the park and they're a, uh, a, a band that also plays outside of Disneyland. And, uh, they actually got rid of those two bands and then they have created a new band, um, the Royal Street Bachelors, which is a name we've heard before, and it's a lot of the people who were playing in the Royal Street Bachelors that we had before, but they've kind of made it an ensemble now and put it on the stage at the French Market instead of just guys that you walk past as, right. you're, as you're walking through New Orleans Square. So it's, it's interesting the change they made. It was just slight not your average guest, probably not going to realize that anything has changed. But uh, anybody who's got any knowledge about New Orleans Square music is uh, noticing a big, 
difference in what is played out there now. Do you like the new way they're doing it? It's, I, you know, I haven't been around it enough yet um, to experience it all. I know that I loved the Bayou Brass. Um, they had played out there for 10 years, and I had just discovered them in the last year, so I'm kicking myself. I'm hoping that these new bands that are coming in, they've, they've got a, a woman now that sings with the, uh, with the Royal Street Bachelors. Her name is Queenie. And she sings, and it, normally it's just music that's that's played out there, jazz standards and things like that. And if there is a little bit of singing that that went on, it was New Orleans, you know, going down to New Orleans, that kind right. of that kind of thing. Um, but she's actually singing now officially with them, and it's it's a little more produced. Seems to be all right. Um, I've, I know that Jeff from the meandering mouse went out there and started recording their set for his podcast and stopped recording it and left because he was not impressed. Hmm. Well, that's, that's not a good thing. That's always been one of my very, very favorite things about going out there is just wandering the streets of New Orleans square and, and just randomly encountering musical acts, be it on the stage or in the back streets, or even a couple of them going on simultaneously sometimes. So to hear that all of that has changed is a little bit disappointing. Yeah. See, and when I went out to New Orleans square after Jeff's experience, I was not disappointed as he was. And I think I saw the same thing he did. So it's, it's definitely going to be a, uh, who, ever perspective kind of thing is going on. I, I hope it works out. It, it's, it seems like it might, but I'm crossing my fingers. Well, I did my little part a couple of years ago to support uh, the Bayou Brass when they were there. I bought their Bayou Brass uh, Christmas CD, and I've been enjoying that. So uh, very <laughs> got cool. something out of it. Yeah, I know that they've got uh, they've got three CDs that are available, and from what I understand, they are still available. If you go to, I think it's BayouBrass.com, you can still buy. Well, you click through. I think you end up going to Amazon, but uh, but you can actually still buy their albums, even though they no longer work for Disney. So if anybody uh, wants them, they can get them that way. Great. That's a, that's, that's good news. Um, so let's see what other, what other topics do we have here, uh, over here at the Disney owned June studios this year, who wants to be a millionaire play it finally closed its doors after probably, uh, much too long of a run. Is it still open out there? No, it, it's actually been closed at California adventure for a lot longer than it was, you know, it, it closed. God quite a while ago at California. Did they Adventure. replace it with anything? Uh, no, it's, it's an empty theater or an empty uh, building right now. I guess it's such a prominent location, uh, here at, at the Disney MGM studios that they couldn't, or they didn't want to leave that big open gap there probably until they had something in mind to replace it, which I guess is supposed to be something, uh, interactive shooting game, kind of like Buzz Lightyear. Yeah. I th that's uh, the midway madness deal, isn't it? Is that I believe so. I don't know if it's going to be called the same thing out here. I don't know if it's going to be exactly the same thing. They haven't officially announced anything yet, but that's what it's supposed to be called for California Adventure. Yeah, I know. I know that that's what's going on over at DCA, but I was thinking that that was the same thing they were doing over there. I know that the, they closed Millionaire. Is that where Narnia was too? Was connected right to that? It's it's right in that same area. Millionaire was the studio on the left, and Narnia was the studio on the right. Are they combining the two for the for the new thing, or do you know? I have no idea. Huh, okay, yeah, I, I thought I heard somewhere that they that they were combining the two so that that uh, attraction could be huge. Right. Which... I know there. Were... 
there are several sound stages back there, and uh, I think they're at least taking up a couple of them, if not the whole thing. Yeah, the the one that uh, that millionaire was in out here at California Adventure would be a great place for them to put something like the Sci-Fi Dine-In Theater in, or something like that. It's kind of mm-hmm. set back. And it's right at the exit to Muppet Vision, and, and it's squished between Muppet Vision and the um, Monsters, Inc. attraction. So it's it's kind of hidden, but if they put a restaurant in there, you know, it would draw people back there. That'd so. be great to have another really immersive, th- uh, uh, kind of themed restaurant, kind of along the same lines as the sci-fi uh, uh, drive-in, dine-in theater, uh, but maybe maybe a different theme. Yeah, they could do something uh, akin to that, um, but you know, change it up a little bit so it's not a copy. I know I love the sci-fi dine-in theater. I went out there. That was the one reservation we made while we were out at uh, Mouse Fest was for sci-fi. And, it's a lot uh, of fun. Yeah. So, you know, if Millionaire closes and they put something better in there, I'm I'm okay with that because I, I never even saw Millionaire even once. Did you? I did for, uh, I actually did a couple times. I got into the hot seat twice and uh, didn't win all the way to the top because I got knocked down on some silly, you know, question that nobody knows. Uh, well, I'm sure somebody does, but <laughs> I certainly didn't. So I got my pins. I got, you know, hat and polo shirt and all that kind of thing. And it, you know, what had happened, from what I understand, is that uh, they ran into the problem where certain annual pass holders that I guess didn't have anything better to do would show up at every single uh, showing of it and try to win every single time. And they would often get into the hot seat because they kind of knew how to work the fastest finger thing to get in there first. And it kind of got repetitive and almost a little bit creepy at times. Not good. Yeah. You didn't, uh, you didn't by any chance record any time when you went in there, did you? No, it was pretty much exactly the same as the television show, short of like a little intro from Regis that was pre-recorded. It, I don't think it was anything really worth reliving. I was just thinking if you went in there with the binaurals, that would have been an interesting uh, first person perspective thing. But uh, yeah, you know, I didn't even uh, it's been a long time since I was in the hot seat. It was long before podcasting even existed. So that definitely would have been an interesting experience. Gotcha. Yeah. Like when I uh, was at Mouse Fest just the other day, I got pulled up onto stage during the uh, during the Adventurers Club uh, hoopla uh, end of the night deal. And I had my binaurals running at the time. And so the whole first person perspective thing is pretty cool. And, you know, people will hear about that on my show, but I was just thinking if you had been recording when you went up and got in the hot seat, that would have been cool to listen to. No, unfortunately not. But, uh, uh do you have a French maid outfit now in your regular clothing uh, by any chance? <laughs> no, it's just, uh, the, the black window to the magic shirts that you see in every picture that is ever taken of me. I've, I've got 14 of those shirts and that's all I ever wear. Yeah. <laughs> well, as long as you have more than one. Yes. Yes, I do. Yeah. P- people have actually been asking me that. So that's uh that's an important thing to get out there. Paul does have more than one of the shirt. <laughs> well, that's good news. Yeah. Let's uh, talk final, about something else, man. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> one, one final, uh, <laughs> one final closure that uh, happened this year, which I was pretty disappointed by was over at the magic kingdom here. Merlin had his last sword in the stone show out in front of the carousel. Yeah. No, no. What's up with that? I mean, we've still got that out at Disneyland. Why would they get rid of that? 
I have absolutely no idea. I always loved that show. I, you know, I wouldn't always stop and watch the whole thing, but it was great to walk through Fantasyland, have this very animated face character putting on this whole show, and you know, some lucky kid got to walk up and pull up the sword, and it was this big ordeal, and and it's just poof, it's gone. But there was no reason given at all as to why it went away or anything. The sword is still there from from what I uh, seem to remember, and I guess maybe they didn't want to pay Merlin anymore. <laughs> I don't know. That is just so weird. You know, you would think that if they were going to get rid of it, they would get rid of it, and don't get any ideas, Disney. You would think they would have gotten rid of it at Disneyland, too, and, and such, but it's still out there, and it's still a big draw, and, yeah. you know, it, it was a big draw at the Magic Kingdom, too, right? Oh, yeah. Every time it started, you know, crowds would gather and gather and gather. And I would say there'd be like 50 people watching at any given point. Yeah. See, that's that's how it is at Disneyland. And that's that's just a darn shame. It is. But uh, I guess they're replacing Merlin with this fabulous new year of a million dreams that they launched in October. The year of a million lanyards. Yes, I've I've heard (laughs) a lot of that. Uh, I have yet to win anything. How about you? I have not won anything. I've got a couple of magical moments, but that's not quite the same thing. Yeah, see, I haven't even seen the uh, the the magical dreams come true patrol or whatever they're called. The Dream Squad. That's it. I I haven't even seen them in the park yet. So I'm I'm going to keep an eye out. I'm going to spend four or five days at Disneyland here in January, and I'm going to keep my eyes out and see if I can finally see them. But uh, are you impressed with what's going on with the Year of a Million Dreams? I am impressed by some of it and uh, not so impressed by some of it. I think the way they're doing it is very fair. I like that it's completely random that the even the Dream Squad doesn't know what they're going to be giving out and when they're giving it out. They kind of get a radio call and say, you know, the fifth person wearing a goofy hat to enter the Country Bears gets a lanyard or something like that. You know, that's it's pretty good that they're doing it nice and fair. The fact that they're giving away so many different prizes is really great. Uh, you know, I'm having a lot of people call into my show whenever they win something, and it sounds like everyone's really happy with anything being won in the parks, be it a pin or, you know, even whatever. It could be a sticker, and people will be happy that they've at least won something. Right, yeah. Are are people happy when they win, or are they happy when somebody wins? That's a good question. I, I've only really heard from people who have personally won, uh, and they were certainly happy. I've, I've read about some not-so-uh... Uh, nice people kind of following the dream squad around and just waiting to win something. So I, I'm not so sure about that, but, uh, you know, I think it's a good thing overall. Yeah. I, I, you know, I think I would be enjoying it if I was standing there and somebody won something big near me, obviously I want it to be me, but <laughs> if it can't be me, it would be interesting to see somebody at least win something sure. big in my vicinity so that I could, you know, well, talk what about I found, it. uh, ve- what I found very interesting is that they actually hand, um, you know, not aside from the lanyards and things like that, where it's a physical prize right there, and then anything else, if it's a trip or a stay in a night in a hotel or something like that, or any of the really big prizes, they hand you an envelope, and uh, I believe it's an envelope, and they say you need to go to guest relations or something like that to claim your prize, and because they don't think they want people around them to get mad or jealous and say, why didn't I win? Why did he get to win? Yeah, that's a good point. It's, you know, people kind of tend to get upset when uh, other people win or, or I've, I've heard things where they say, you know, everybody on this uh, on this boat gets a fast pass right, or things like that. And that would be a good way to get rid of the whole, you know, hey, how come we didn't get anything thing? But some of these prizes are they can't give away a whole bunch of them. Some of them are really fabulous. 
Yeah, the one that I thought was really incredible was the one that they publicized the most, which was they invited this whole family down for a trip to Walt Disney World, and they thought that that was their big prize. So they, you know, think, wow, we got this trip to Disney completely free. That's awesome. And, you know, they got their kids out of school, brought them all down to the Magic Kingdom, and they and they sent them in. And as they're walking through down Main Street, they're seeing absolutely nobody around them except for a few cast members peering out the windows on Main Street. And then they hit the hub, and suddenly Be Our Guest starts playing over the loudspeakers, and over, like over a thousand cast members and characters suddenly swarmed them to welcome them into the Magic Kingdom, and they had basically the day to themselves there. Yeah, I thought I had heard that it was 5,000 cast members that came out from the the buildings. And did they actually get the entire day alone, or did they just have, like, the park opened after they had gone through things? Right. Well, I mean, it it essentially was uh, a day whatever they wanted, because they got to pick whatever land they wanted to go to first, and that land would not open to everybody else until that family was completely done with it, and they went land to land to land, and when the the family said, okay, we're done, that's when they let everybody else in. Ooh, that's interesting. I wonder how I would feel, let's say we had gone there for Mouse Fest, and Patrick and I had gone in for his day at the Magic Kingdom, and we had gone in and found out we couldn't do anything yet, because Family X was still in Adventureland. That's an interesting, uh, interesting idea. Yeah, I, I can imagine that would be a tough situation. The good news is that they did let them in a little bit early uh, to to try to get that out of the way as quickly as possible, and I, they were escorted through everything. I'm sure you know, kind of taken from ride to ride to ride to trying to get them along the way. I think they finished up everything they were doing within a matter of a couple hours. Oh, well, that's good to hear. Yeah, that's that's pretty cool. See, the the deal I want, though, I want to win that one where you get to go to all five uh, or all 11 parks, pardon me. Um, and, and what is it, five continents? Is that, is that yeah, that's that's an amazing uh, prize. I think that would be definitely the one that I would want to win to just have an amazing round the world trip to everything Disney. And you get to be the, the grand marshal in the parade at every one of the theme parks. I mean, can you say podcasting heaven? <laughs> Here I am yeah, I today have... from, you know, from Hong Kong, you know, wow. Yeah. Well, I saw you at Mouse Fest. You didn't stop uh, with those darn binaural microphones at any point. I can imagine you flying from country to country, never stopping recording. And then we have one big long where in the world game. <laughs> Yeah, that would be... Uh, no, I don't think that would work. <laughs> no. You have to listen for five days straight to figure out the final destination. That's right, yes. Day 22 of where in the world. I don't know. Um, I, I think that would be a great prize along with the uh, the different uh, penthouses and stuff that they've got. Have, I'm have, really looking forward to seeing the Cinderella Castle suite. That one seems to be fairly hush-hush so far. We've seen kind of some construction photos and some concept art, but they haven't shown us the final product yet. I don't even know if it's done at this point. So uh, that one I'm really looking forward to see. Yeah, I was looking. I, I had heard that there was a couple of new windows on the back of Cinderella's castle that we're thinking is maybe where it is. That, that's what I was seeing. They were kind of telling the story of, of Cinderella up there, in, you know, in the course of several stained glass windows. And just from what I've, I've seen, the, the detail they've put into this suite rivals the rest of the castle itself down to even a brand new, enormous hand 
uh, put together, hand assembled mosaic, kind of like the one that's in the main, uh, air, bo- uh, I don't know, lobby or whatever you want to call it down there in the castle. Oh yeah. As you're going through the tunnel. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Wow. That's pretty cool. Yeah. When I was, uh, when I was hanging out over in, uh, in fantasy land, waiting for the fireworks to start, I was looking up and I could see a couple of windows that were lit up in there that looked like they had stained glass, but, uh, you know, I was wondering whether that was it. So we don't have any uh, any solid information about that at all, huh? And they've, they've given us uh, descriptions of the various things that'll be in there. You know, it'll be state-of-the-art everything with, you know, plasma TVs and all that, but it'll all be hidden so that you really get the whole themed experience while you're in there. And, and while you're there, you also get a, a butler at your beck and call that will get you whatever you need because you're not really free to roam the parks, obviously, because they do all kinds of stuff in the parks in the middle of the night. And if you do need to go somewhere, you've got a limo waiting for you at any time to go anywhere. Sweet. I would so need to go somewhere if I was, <laughs> I'd, I'd be like, yeah, it's 11 o'clock. I need to go to Pleasure Island. It's three right. in the morning. I need to go get some gum or something. I know a lot of people have said they wouldn't dare step foot out of the suite because, or sleep for that matter. They would just like stare the entire night. Well, that's possible, but I'd, I'd want to be, when they put you in the limo, they've got to take you out of the castle, which means you, you get to go out into the park. So if you're out a couple of times, you might get to, to see the park when it's, uh, you know, three in the morning. That, that, that would... That's true. And, and from what I understand, they're building this whole extravagant uh, Cinderella carriage style elevator to take you up and down. Oh, sweet. A glass elevator. Very nice. Um, now our Mickey Mouse penthouse suite over in the Disneyland hotel isn't going to be anywhere near as cool as that. I don't think. No, I think people have already started, uh, staying in that one and they've released lots of footage of that and it's cool. It's a very modern contemporary, uh, suite filled with all the best amenities and lots of really cool Mickey Mouse stuff, but I don't think it even compares to the Cinderella castle suite. Yeah. I think it's everything you see in the, uh, in the make your, your bathroom Mickey stores (laughs) at downtown Disney. I I think they just did that with the entire, uh, the entire penthouse. So that, that one didn't impress me as much being able to, you know, if you could stay in, in Walt's, uh, you know, the firehouse, uh, above the firehouse suite there, the apartment Mm -hmm. that, that would have been great. Of course, they're obviously not going to do that. Right. And the castle is not big enough to actually let anybody stay up there, uh, at Disneyland. So, I don't know. I guess it's as good as they could get, but it just just seems a little lacking, you know. I could imagine them maybe building a suite up in the uh, the upper areas of the Matterhorn. Uh, yeah, that could be fun. I I would just take a trip up so that I could stand on top of it. That you know, if they <laughs> want to let me do that, then I don't have to spend the night. Just let me go That's up true. there. Well, um, I hear that uh, after the Year of a Million Dreams is over, the suites are going to be used for uh, honeymoon, honeymoons and Disney fairy tale weddings and things like that. Uh, more of those uh, million dollar a night rooms, like the uh, Pirates of the Caribbean suite. Exactly. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Um, well, that's, uh, that's interesting. What else, uh, Year of a Million Dreams is going on? I know there was a ton. Well, uh, I mean, the, uh, aside from the, the prizes and everything going on, I guess they're chalking a lot of these attractions that are opening up to the million, Year of a Million Dreams, but that's what they always do. They always lump openings into whatever celebration is currently going on. Yeah, so the laugh floor is going to be part of the Million Dreams, that kind of thing? Yeah, supposedly that, and um, Nemo. Gosh, I don't even know whatever else. Yeah, Nemo and and anything else that has opened or will be opening over the ne- next year or so, they can just say this is part of our year of a million dreams. Great. 
yeah, that's that's kind of weak. But you know, as long as they're opening things, I think I'm okay with it. Definitely, and and supposedly they're going to be opening something really major on the complete opposite side of Walt Disney World from really everything. Uh, it's over in the Animal Kingdom, even behind the Animal Kingdom area, where currently there's pretty much nothing. They opened up a new entrance to Walt Disney World in one of those big, grand Walt Disney World archways that you drive under uh, off of a western way. And they're planning some kind of major downtown Disney-style restaurants and shopping and hotels and complete complex over there. Now, I heard that this is going to be something akin to, uh, it's going to be pointed more at the low-end visitor to, to Walt Disney World. Is that correct? That I'm I'm not too sure of. Disney hasn't officially released anything other than just saying it's going to be some kind of major complex with something for everyone. Mm, interesting. Yeah, I'm thinking with the location of it, it's it's out there by Animal Kingdom, which obviously you have the Animal Kingdom Lodge, which is high end, right? But it's also right out there by the uh, the All Stars. If I'm that's true. If I know my my geography well enough yep. out there. Um, so that, that kind of caters to the lower end, like the McDonald's class visitor to, uh, to Disney world. I wonder, uh, you know, if, if we're going to see more of the, you know, outback and, and stuff like that is, is that new T-Rex thing? Is, is that going in, in there? Supposedly the T-Rex thing is going into just downtown Disney. So mm. I'm not sure. I mean, they very well may have said it was going into downtown Disney and they'll be like, oh, we lied. And maybe it's going into uptown Disney or whatever they're going to call this new thing. That's right. Yeah. Left-hand Disney or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah I I, um, I saw some construction from uh, from Everest when I was going up the hill. Of course, I'm not paying attention to where I'm going. I'm paying attention to what's around me. <laughs> and there was some big construction out there. Is that what we're talking about here? Or is is that something different? No, I don't believe they've started any construction over there. I mean, they've done a lot of road work and things like that. But what you may have seen was the groundwork for the new uh, Vacation Club addition to Animal Kingdom Lodge. Ah, okay. Yeah, I'm not uh, not 100% sure on my geography around that area. So I actually, uh, on one of my upcoming shows, will be playing Patrick's and my trip out to Everest. I recorded the whole thing from Caribbean Beach over to, to Everest. And, oh, wow. Yeah. Talk about thrilling. And, <laughs> and, of course, I get lost. So, or I think I get lost because I can never uh-huh. find my way over to Animal Kingdom. So that mm-hmm. that entire area, they're making it bigger and more convoluted over there. Uh, yeah, sounds sounds about accurate. The good news is that uh, with this new entrance, you can take a completely new way into Disney and you can avoid, uh, you know, the Kissimmee area, 192, you can avoid that, you can avoid I-4, you can avoid the Turnpike, and you can take uh, State Road 429, which is a whole other not-so-used highway. It's fairly new. So, uh, you know, it'll it'll alleviate some of the traffic problems. So what does that mean for me coming from the Orlando airport not knowing my way around, is that is that going to be something that I will use or no. will that be something you'll use being a That will definitely be something I will use because I have an on-ramp for the 429 less than a mile from my house. So I can just zip right on over there, be there within probably 10 minutes. Oh, sweet. Okay. So <laughs> it, it's it's not really going to mean anything to me then. It's, it's going to be more for the local Orlando kind of person until we get something major out there like restaurants and nightclubs and stuff. Exactly. Okay. All right. Fair enough. So, 
Yeah, this year, uh, I guess we can turn kind of away from the parks a little bit. We, let's talk about some Disney movies. There's been a lot of action there this year. Yeah, there definitely has. Uh, there was that uh, small release. Not not too many people knew about it. it they, they released the uh, Pirates of the Caribbean Dead Man's Chest film. Oh, uh, yeah. You know, tiny film, just the sixth highest grossing film of all time. Yeah, now I was a little surprised by that. Is is sixth? It, that's actually correct. I mean, what what in the heck is above that? And, uh, let's see. I, well, I know Titanic is is up there. Uh, I believe at number one, and we've got a couple of Star Wars movies. I'm pretty sure E.T. is still up there as well. Wow. And I'm not sure on the. I think the. I know this one surpassed the original Pirates, so I'm I'm not sure what the other ones are up there. But uh, it's a lot of you know big classic films yeah that's because i i saw that while i was hanging out uh when we first arrived for mouse fest i was hanging out in planet hollywood and they they noted that this movie was the sixth all-time domestic uh release and i was really surprised by that number but 423 million dollars that's a lot of cash that is and it has even better stats than that it's the largest opening weekend ever at 135 million it's the third worldwide at just over a billion dollars wow it is the top movie of 2006 and it's the highest selling live action disney dvd ever i haven't got a copy of it yet it just came out a couple of weeks ago right yep yeah i'm gonna have to go get that one i've got a couple of copies of the first one um thanks to disney marketing they released it the first time with as just a single one and then they released right. it again with the extra disc and of course i had to go buy it well, the extra disc is definitely worth it for the Dead Man's Chest one. It's a, a really great one. It has some some footage from Disneyland, from uh, all the Pirates attraction and the red carpet premiere, and then it has a whole bunch of great featurettes for the uh, film itself. Sweet. Do we know if uh, if Pirates of the Caribbean 3 is going to have a Disneyland opening yet, or are they going to tear apart the park again? I would think so. I mean, if they did it for the first two, why not the third? Uh, they haven't announced anything officially. The closest to anything would be that Pirates event that's going to be out here in May that corresponds with the opening uh, that I was talking about earlier. Right. When you go to DisneyGallery.com to the official page for that event, it specifically says at the bottom, this is not the premiere for Pirates 3 at World's End. Oh, interesting. So they've got a big shindig going on at Walt Disney World, but it's not the premiere. So, right huh yeah so i i can only imagine that by them saying this is not the premiere that means the premiere is somewhere else yeah good point um now i had heard now I, I, of course i may have been dreaming but something about them tying in the release of pirates 3 with a west coast um uh what do you call it uh cruise the disney cruise have you heard that as I well haven't. No, I haven't heard anything about that. I know we, we had, uh, I believe this year was the first time the cruise lines headed out there. Yeah. Um, so they, they may, may very well do that again. See, I, I don't know. I, I have no idea where I heard this, but somebody was mentioning something about them actually holding the premiere out like in Long Beach or something like that this time so that they can tie it in somehow with the with the announcement that there's going to be West Coast cruises. Hmm. Don't hold me to that one because Lord knows it could have just been a delusional dream. <laughs> but um, I I would feel about ninety percent sure that I heard that while I was awake. So well, it's uh it's pretty cool that what they parked the Flying Dutchman from the film outside of Castaway Key. You can see that from the cruise ship and from the boat. So they've already tied it in a little bit there. And so, like I said earlier, supposedly Jack Sparrow is running around on the island somewhere. So 
I and, guess they could take it even a, a step further. And the Black Pearl actually was parked out here on the West Coast for a while. Um, I actually have some footage of that uh, that I haven't released on the, the video cast feed yet because uh, I'm trying to figure out how to convert to the format that I use. But uh, it was it was out here and they were actually uh, a couple of my friends rented a boat and went out and, and drove around it. And it was sitting out here for, as far as I know, no real reason at all. It was just parked. Well, maybe they were out in the middle of the Pacific shooting some some pickup scenes and and had to park it somewhere. Could be, could be. I, you know, that's uh, the whole pirates thing. Interesting. If if they have another uh, release, I've I've kind of toyed with whether or not to cover the uh, the pirates stuff on the podcast because these openings and the premieres get such coverage. I mean, they're like media nightmares. They are, yeah, yeah. And and so you know, a couple of the podcasts covered pirates too. Uh, the Disneyland premiere, and it's just right. three hours of people screaming. So <laughs> yeah, we we had uh, I had a listener send me a whole bunch of video from the premiere, and I put together just a quick summary of everything, and it was absolutely that. It was people screaming, "Johnny Orlando!" Right? Yeah, and it's it's you know twelve hours worth of waiting for thirty minutes worth of Johnny. So you know it, it's it's interesting these premieres what they like wreak havoc in the parks. Um, but they seem to, to like having them out there. So, you know, we'll see what happens and uh, what, uh, what other movies we got. I really enjoyed seeing the re-release to theaters of, uh, the nightmare before Christmas, which is, uh, it is, but it isn't a Disney movie, but uh, it was in Disney digital 3d, which was the important thing. And I thought that was really cool. Uh, not darn it all. I wanted to go see that. I know they were playing that in San Francisco too. And I forgot to go see it. Is that still playing? Uh, I don't believe so i think it was a fairly limited run i th i ended up catching it just after halloween i think and there was hardly anybody in the theater with me but it was really really well done darn it all okay yeah yeah i uh nightmare was a good uh, a good film and i've heard good things about the disney digital uh the 3d stuff is that uh is it realistic what they're doing with the 3d or is it just kind of pasted on top what was very interesting about uh, doing it with this film is obviously the film is, what, 13 years old now was the, uh, the anniversary they were celebrating and that they had to take this film that's 13 years old and go back and make it 3D as opposed to like Chicken Little that they released and they could just render that in 3D. And in order to do this one, they, they basically took the film as itself and used that for one of your eyes. And then for the other eye, they had to completely go frame by frame and invent a whole new perspective and uh it was it was really well done nothing really jumps out at you from the screen it's not like you see honey i shrunk the audience or it's tough to be a bug or anything like that but it really adds for lack of a better word a whole new dimension to the film uh you you, you know I, it, it's really subtle to begin with you think well you know that's kind of cool but if you take your glasses off in the middle of the screen you, you think wow that now i see what i've been missing by seeing the this film in 2d all these years huh that's interesting yeah i didn't get a chance to see that and i didn't go see chicken little so it's uh that's that's interesting are they gonna do disney digital 3d stuff a lot or is this just kind of a test thing they're doing um, from what I understand, uh, anything, well, I don't, I don't, don't want to say anything, but many computer graphics films from here out, uh, coming out of Disney, I don't know if this includes Pixar or not, 
um, will be in 3D because they can just simply render it twice, you know, one from one eye and one from the other and, and merge the two in 3D. The Meet the Robinsons film that's coming out is definitely going to be in D- Disney Digital 3D. They had the trailer for it before Nightmare and the trailer was in 3D and it looked really cool. I look forward to that one. That's I, I love the little Today Land yep that's definitely a nod to say hey all you disney fans you should come see this movie yeah definitely it got my attention and uh, i actually went back and and framed through that until i could see exactly what it was and that that, that's very cool so yeah yeah. the uh, space mountain was hidden in there along with the the rocket to the moon thing yep yep and that that was cool so that's uh so maybe cars two and three will be in 3d as well oh i hope there is not a cars two and three (laughs) Oh, come on. We bought Pixar. It's seven, <laughs> what, seven and a half billion, something like that? 7.4. 7.4 billion dollars, boy. That's a lot of pixels. Um, that, yeah, it, it certainly is. Um, it, it's a lot of people, you know, this was the year of a lot of big acquisitions like that in and outside of Disney. Uh, and 7.4 billion dollars is definitely a lot of money. But to think about how much Disney had to say, you know, Disney, Pixar and you know, Pixar presents and all of that to be able to just call future releases just Disney movies will be something unto itself. Now, are they actually dropping the Pixar deal or is it going to be, you know, Disney Pixar presents still? Um, I, you know, I don't, I, I know they're not going to drop Pixar. They're leaving Pixar unto itself because that was part of the deal is that they don't want to change Pixar. They want it to keep going under its own, you know, accord. But, uh, you know, I, I, I don't think there's going to be so much of a, of a legal issue there with as far as who has the rights over this and that. It, it's all one entity now, so they can all just focus on making it really good. Oh, well, that's that's good to hear. I like it when they get rid of the legal hurdles. It makes things flow so much easier. Definitely. And, and you know, earlier we were talking about Robert Iger stepping in and doing good things for Disney. Well, I thought it was very interesting uh, in reference to this Pixar deal, um, Robert Iger came out and said that when he decided that it was a good idea to buy Pixar, finally, he was watching a parade at the opening of Hong Kong Disneyland back in, uh, I guess it was uh, September of, gosh, what was that, 05? Mm-hmm. And he said, quote, it really hit me hard that we had 10 years of real failure. Ooh. Keeping animation strong is incredibly vital. Wow. Wow. Those are big words, man. (laughs) Definitely. And I think that's what Disney fans have been screaming for a long time. I mean, you think back to the last really successful animation coming out of Disney and and what was it? Beauty and the Beast? Yeah. 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 That's uh, wow. Yeah. That's uh, it's good that he has realized exactly what's been going on recently because they haven't been putting out Disney films in quite a long time. They've been putting out but you know about the first three letters of disney it, it <laughs> you know it just wasn't it, it wasn't what disney's famous for right well they went even so far as to shut down their hand-drawn uh unit because they weren't producing anything worthwhile and and fortunately now john lassiter and ed catmull of pixar have come in integrated themselves into disney and said hey this isn't right this is disney we're talking about we're bringing back the hand-drawn division we're keeping it separate from pixar pixar is going to do computer stuff you're going to do traditional animation that you're supposed to because you're Disney. Yeah, I know that one one of the upcoming movies was given a choice as to whether they were going to do it in computer or hand-drawn, and they chose hand-drawn. You remember? Uh, I'm not, 
no, I'm not sure. I know there are a couple of hand-drawn features in the works, so uh, yeah, there you know, was, hopefully they're as good as the, the old ones. Yeah, there's one of them, and I, I don't remember which one it was, but one of them was given, you know, they said, which one do you want to do, computer or, or hand-drawn? And they said, we'll take hand-drawn. And I applauded that. That was That was very cool. I just have no idea which one it was, but <laughs> well, the the good news also is that they had developed this this weird Circle Seven uh, production company that was basically put in there to pump out those terrible sequels. They were working on Toy Story Three with some crazy storyline of Buzz Lightyear getting recalled to Taiwan. No, gee, that could and have been fun. It could have, or it could have been really hokey, but uh, regardless, they've now closed that up. They said, this is this is silly, we don't need this. It was kind of, you know, a bargaining tactic, basically, with Pixar, it seems like. And they ended up moving almost everybody that was working there back to their official feature animation unit. Yeah, and, and John's now in control of that whole thing, isn't he? Yeah, John Laster has a big part in Disney now. Not only is he kind of running the show as far as calling the shots with animation, but he's also taken the helm pretty much of the creative control of Walt Disney Imagineering. Yeah, he even took over, like, even Marty Sklar isn't as prominent as he used to be, right? Yeah, Marty's been there for decades and decades. He was, you know, one of Walt Disney's right-hand men, and he's finally decided to kind of take a step back, and he's calling himself the ambassador to Imagineering now, where basically he'll, you know, kind of chime in when he needs to. But John Lasseter really is is calling the creative shots at this point. I couldn't not uh, not say anything bad about that. I mean, I love Marty. I don't have a problem with Marty at all, but John really gets it, at least in my opinion. And uh, I would be glad to see him in charge of what's coming out of the parks and and hopefully the movies as well. That would be great. I remember, I remember a long time ago, before anyone even thought about uh, any of this happening with Disney acquiring Pixar, a lot of people were comparing John Lasseter as a person with his feelings and his characteristics to Walt Disney, just in the way he went about everything. So it's a very fitting union. Well, yeah, I always like shudder whenever anybody says, he, you know, he's like Walt or anything like that. I just don't, <laughs> don't make that comparison because they're never going to live up to it. But yeah, if, if he's got the, the gift, then let's let him use it. It's uh it's a good thing. Definitely. Well, uh, Disney in acquisitions also managed to go way back to its original history prior to even Mickey Mouse and regained its rights to Walt's original creation, Oswald the Lucky Rabbit. Now, I found this one interesting because Pixar, we bought, you know, Disney bought, well, I can say we because I'm a stockholder. We bought Disney, uh, we bought Pixar for $7.4 billion. Uh, we traded Oswald for Al Michaels. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. It was uh, in a strange turn of events. Uh, NBC uh, slash Universal, which merged uh, fairly recently, had the rights to Oswald the Lucky Rabbit because they got it way, way back from when Walt Disney had created the character working for another company and there was a split. And anyway, they had the rights for all these years. Al Michaels used to work for NBC a long time ago, moved over to ABC, which of course is now owned by Disney. And I guess NBC said, well, let, we'll take your star commentator along with a few other minor things and you can have your rabbit back. Wow. And that's going to make Al, Al Michaels feel really good about himself. I got traded for a rabbit. <laughs> well, in the, in the public, 
uh, I believe he said something like it's good to return home to NBC and all of that. But uh, yeah, I would imagine it felt a little bit strange to be traded for a cartoon character. Yeah, especially for a guy that's so ingrained in sports and all of these, uh, you know, high power trades and all this other stuff and whatever to be traded for Oswald. That's just wrong. I'm sure there was a, a political cartoon out there somewhere with something funny about that. Speaking of, of cartoons, obviously we got all the Oswald cartoons. Are we going to have a DVD or anything? Thing coming out anytime uh, ever yeah it looks like finally and now that disney has the rights to it we're gonna get uh i don't know about all of it but a, a very good uh, sizable portion of the oswald uh, old cartoons and shorts and things like that coming out on dvd sometime in 2007 oh in 2007 wow i didn't yeah know it's it's coming up pretty soon it's part of uh, i think it's called the walt disney legacy collection the first series has already come out it's a four dvd series of true life adventures which were these kind of nature films that walt disney was involved with Ooh, like, and like uh, bear country and stuff like that exactly yep no. And that was series one of this, and series two is going to be uh, that that infamous Destino film that really never got finished with Salvador Dali. Oh yeah, I heard a little bit about that one. And uh, that's going to be one of the DVDs. There's going to be an Oswald DVD, and then there's going to be one other Disneyland kind of secrets and behind the scenes DVD that's been in the works for a really long time and just never came out for some reason. Woohoo! Gotta love those. Absolutely. So those three are coming soon, according to Disney. Oh, wow. Interesting. Are we, uh, how are we doing TV wise? Cause I, I don't watch a lot of, especially the Disney channel and things like that. Are they, uh, what, what was 2006 TV wise? Well, I think the biggest thing to come out of the Disney channel this year was the high school musical. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, that was uh, that was enormous kind of has taken over the parks a little bit has uh, teenagers everywhere going crazy. Um, yeah. I'm not a big fan of that personally. Calvin um, loves that thing. Really? Yeah. He, he was really all over that and his, his best friend, uh, you know, for Christmas, he got the, uh, the high school musical pillow with the speaker in it, you know, so you can, <laughs> yeah. As, uh, <clears throat> but, uh, yeah. So yeah, that was a big one. They're, they're touring that and doing all kinds of things. And that's, uh, there's also that Hannah Montana thing that I've heard. Is that, uh, is that a 2006 thing? Um, yeah, it seems to be, you know, I don't know if she was emerging at the end of 2005, but definitely became extremely popular in 2006. She has officially taken the place of Lizzie McGuire and, uh, Hilary Duff. Yeah, I actually haven't, uh, haven't seen anything in passing as I walk through the living room about, uh, about, uh, Hillary or anything like that. And she was all over the screen just a year or so ago. Yep, she made the decision, I guess, to try to go on her own and do her own career, and Disney said, okay, fine, we'll find our next star. Oh, you, you know how that goes. Yeah, I mean, Britney Spears. That's <laughs> enough said. Um, we got anything else TV-wise? Uh, well, yeah, unfortunately, uh, the only thing that I personally actually liked on the Disney Channel was that show, Phil of the Future, and uh, it got canceled. You know, it's funny, I, I saw half of an episode of that the other day, and I thought it was a little corny. Um, it is very, very corny, but something about it just clicks in my head. It seems like a show that I probably would have watched years ago when I was, uh, you know, very young, and and, and uh, it just works for me. I don't know. And was it, there? there's one girl in there, wasn't she, uh, w she was one of the sisters that's doing music? Um, yeah, that's one, probably one of the reasons they've canceled it. They're trying to make, uh, I believe her name is Allison Michalka or something Allie. like that. And 
Yeah, she's Ellie of Ellie and AJ, gotcha. and uh, they've definitely been pushing them as uh, uh, you know a duo along the same lines as Miley Cyrus, aka Hannah Montana. Ah, there we go. Okay, so yeah, that's. Uh, I thought she looked familiar as I you know I was sitting there yesterday and I was watching half an episode and I was like that, that girl there looks familiar, but because they don't name her as Allie, right. I would never have caught that. So that's interesting. So no more Phil of the future. Hmm. Nope, unfortunately not. They're still rerunning all the old episodes, but it doesn't look like we're ever going to get any kind of closure officially to the storyline. Uh, do you suppose they're going to release that on iTunes or or anything else that they... Uh, that you they know, have? I wouldn't be surprised. They released the Halloween and Christmas episodes of the show during Halloween and Christmas time, so you never know. They might just put out the, the whole series on there. Interesting. Yeah, it, I... I would like to see them put pretty much everything out. I all of my TV nowadays is through the iTunes store, so that's uh, the more that they can put out there, the more money they'll make because I'll pay for it. So that's good. Well, they're certainly uh, looking to get money in in other locations. They they dumped ESPN Mobile this year at a loss of I seem to remember about thirty million dollars in favor of their own yeah in favor of their own Disney Mobile service. So Disney Mobile, what in the heck is that? Well, uh, it seems like it's basically a, a cell phone service where parents can give the gift of a cell phone to their kids. Their kids are all happy that they finally have a cell phone, and then parents are able to completely track everything their kids are doing whenever they have their cell phone on them. Wow, so it's like kind of a GPS, big brother telephone system kind of thing essentially evidently you can go online and look at a map and follow paths and and do all kinds of crazy things like that follow paths as in like where has my kid been in the last hour kind of thing pretty much Ooh, that's scary (laughs) it is a little bit scary but as a parent i would imagine it makes you feel very secure to say you know when little billy says i'm going over to josh's house to see him actually go there as opposed to who knows where you know, actually, just listening to that, it's something just sprang into my mind. The old family circus cartoons, where they had the little dotted line where they say, take this to the mailbox. I you don't know remember what I, that. Yeah, where they, they show little Billy, and he's he takes the card from his mom, and then there's a, a little dotted line that shows his path, and he goes every possible place in the world. <laughs> right, okay. and then And then, you know, an hour later, he ends up at the mailbox. That I wonder if it's if it's like that to where you can actually track. You know, my kid went down to the end of the street and then turned right. I mean, yeah, I don't I don't know how accurate it is, but uh, I think beyond that, you're able to set like you know certain times of day that they can use their phone and just kind of keep tabs on them, basically. Wow, that's interesting. Well, luckily Calvin's old enough that I don't have to worry about that, but (laughs) I'll have to look into that. Interesting. Have have you, uh, speaking of following things around, they've got uh, the the Behind the Magic traveling exhibition that uh, came out to Oakland here earlier this year. Did you? I've heard a uh, lot. I I didn't get to see that myself. I've heard a lot of really good things about it. Um, uh, I know you were able to go there and you even had some kind of involvement with it. Well, actually, yeah, I was, I was approached, uh, by the exhibition and I was asked to provide some sounds, uh, for the, uh, for the background. So as the, you know, they're talking and going, you know, in 1955, we have this and, and that sort of thing in the background, they have sounds of the park and that was actually provided by window to the magic, non-credited and stuff like that. But, uh, 
but definitely interesting to go there and hear my recording of the of the train and things like that playing as I'm watching this fabulous exhibition. I mean, amazing stuff that they had out there. I've yeah, I've heard that the the exhibition was really great. I mean, it's it seems a little bit odd for, you know, you and I who obviously frequent the parks to have to even talk about some kind of traveling exhibition about it, but it's it's so much of a different experience than you get of, with the on-stage action that you get in the parks. Well, it was it was more pointed towards, you know, how they actually made the things. They had those original sketch paintings uh, or s- sketch artwork that they used to sell the park. Um, it was all the being literally behind the magic. It was the behind the scenes stuff. They had a Lincoln figure out there that, uh, you know, it was just behind a sheet of glass, but you could walk right up to it and see the, the figure. I mean, it was just amazing. The, the behind the scenes stuff that you got to see different, um, Oh, you know, different little models that they had out there and, and all of the different things, hands-on exhibits and stories and sounds and, and people talking into your ear and telling you what really created the magic over the first 50 years. A fantabulous idea. Do you know if, uh, if it's still traveling or, you know, where they are currently? I know that it was supposed to be going around throughout 2007, I think. Um, but my understanding was it was going overseas. Huh. Well, I didn't, uh, I didn't hear anything about it going overseas. I'm not sure. I was just doing a, a quick search online while we were talking here and I wasn't able to find any official information. Uh, so I'm, I'm not really sure where that's going right now, but, uh, you know, it certainly was a good exhibition if it isn't still going on. And if it is, then anyone who should, uh, or who can see it really should. Yeah, definitely. Uh, if, if it's in your area, give it a look because it's, it, I went and saw it two or three times, took a couple of my friends to see it and, and things like that. Definitely worth checking out. Um, that and the, uh, the Seattle music exhibit that's going on right now is something that's basically like the behind the magic exhibit, but it's talking about all of the music that has been, uh, so important to Disney throughout the years. Well, that's certainly a, a huge topic for, uh, us Disney podcasters. We feature so much music uh, in the parks and otherwise that, uh, it sounds like a really good exhibit. I've always wanted to get out to that experience music project up in Seattle. It, it sounds like a really fun thing to do yeah Mouseketeer greg went out there the opening weekend and and did kind of a little sound seeing tour of it and and i have to get out there before it closes because it's it's definitely uh something that's that's cool and like you said being a disney podcaster sound is very important and the music would just be that that would be a great exhibit to see well, certainly. And uh, speaking of Disney podcasters, I think we, we have to have to mention before we, we move to the end of this, that 2006 was really a year of Disney podcasts coming about. You could say that. Yeah, I think we went from you, me and uh, what? Uh, Mousepod. Um, yeah, just a, just a couple. Yeah, there, there, in 2005, there was maybe four or five podcasts that were unofficial Disney podcasts, and we're up to, what, 30 or more now? It's a lot. If you go on iTunes and you search for Disney, you get a big, big list. Yeah, absolutely. I know that the Disney Podcast Network that, that I'm part of, we've got, like I think, 10 different uh, podcasts that that we have and then there's you and mouse tunes and mouse guest and all of those different people everybody uh, the, the mouse times podcast uh, you know let's talk about disney all of those are all 
great individual direction, you know, independent Disney podcasts, uh, Disney podcasting is, is exploding. Basically. Yeah, I think it's amazing how many different directions we can take this. I mean, obviously mine is kind of a news magazine show where I try to run through as much as possible in one week worth of information. And yours is a very much, you know, slower paced show where you <laughs> kind of stop and take everything in, uh, you know, the way you do when you actually go to the parks. And then there's a million other ways to, to experience Disney things via this wonderful world of podcasting. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and speaking of uh, me slowing down and doing the show, I really got a kick out of it when you uh, guest hosted on the show earlier this month and uh, and did a Paul Berry impression. That was uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I had uh, a really funny voicemail that somebody called to me. I didn't play it on my show, but uh, they said, why is it that you and Paul talk like this when you're on window to the magic <laughs> it's just what we do man that's just what we do <laughs> i actually at, at uh, Podfest and things like that i i actually had people say do the voice do the voice <laughs> and i'm like what do the voice come on this is you know this is this is my natural voice that's just the way it goes but uh, as you can tell when i'm just talking to you conversational wise it's it's a lot more energetic so i could see what they're talking about but uh, yeah m a million different people a million different directions in this whole disney podcast thing and thank you again to disney because i said this last year mm -hmm. thank you to disney for letting us do it yeah, absolutely. I will agree with that. Uh, we none of us would be doing what we we are right now if you know even one of us got one of those wonderful cease and desist letters that some companies like to send all across the internet. You know, nobody's had any run-ins really at all with Disney about anything, and and I'm really grateful for that. Yeah, that's that's really good. Not not only are we not receiving cease and desist orders, but actually some of us are getting nominated and and winning uh, podcasting awards. Uh, you being one of them. Yep, that's true. Uh, Inside the Magic managed to work its way into two categories in the uh, the 2006 Podcast Awards, uh, Best Entertainment and uh, Best Produced, which was one of the major categories. And uh, unfortunately, we didn't win either. Uh, Harry Potter kind of uh, beat us out on those. But uh, Mouse Tunes, uh, another great Disney podcast, did manage to win their, uh, their category, which is really, really wonderful. They were in the best travel podcast category. So that's, that's really fantastic. Yeah. And I was there at the podcasting and portable media expo when they, uh, actually announced their, uh, that they had won and, and if they had been there, they would have gotten an award and stuff. And it was really cool to actually have a Disney podcast up there, uh, you know, winning an award. That's, that's very, very cool. Yeah, and uh, you know, I've put uh, a lot of time and effort into Inside the Magic Show. It was great to be even recognized, and I definitely got a lot of new listeners coming off of the Podcast Awards uh, website, and and that was a really great thing. Um, what didn't survive this year, though, was my uh, my daily dose of Disney podcast that I was running earlier in the year. That's a daily podcast. I told you right at the beginning, you're nuts. <laughs> I, mean, I, I was surprised I lasted as long as I did. I think I managed to get around two months of every single weekday, and I'll, just one day it hit me that I just couldn't do it anymore. That is just nuts, man. That it just just nuts. But, you know, it was fun while you did it. And, and you know, I would prefer that you do the uh, the better produced Inside the Magic than a, than a, you know, thrown together daily show. 
than anything, you know, and if we can manage to keep you away from your Wii, um, <laughs> your, your Nintendo game system there, we can uh, we can keep everything going on well uh, on Inside the Magic, right? Yeah, the, the holidays really hit me hard this year between Nintendo and uh, everything else and shopping and decorating and all of that. But coming in 2007, we'll return to uh, the elaborate Inside the Magics that everyone's <laughs> work, uh, used to. Well, really, I hadn't noticed a difference, but <laughs> I just love to give you a hard time about that of kind of thing. But uh, yeah, so what uh, do we have anything else? Uh, 2006 here? Do we have stuff that happened, didn't happen, anything? Well, I, I think there's a couple of things that were expected to happen that didn't. Uh, the major one that sticks out for me was the whole notion of Rocket Mountain, the overlay to Space Mountain out at Disneyland. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was that thing that that was supposed to open and then they kind of previewed it at Grad Night, sort of. And yeah, I, you know, I, I didn't even really hear anything coming out of Grad Night that it didn't even seem like anybody cared. Yeah, well, it, it, I didn't hear anything that anybody cared. I, I heard that it had uh, a rock music soundtrack, and that was it. Uh, and then it just kind of died. But I know that it's they're supposed to be releasing both Rockin' Space Mountain and, what, Rockin' California Screamin'? Yeah, that's what I hear, which was already kind of rockin' to begin with. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of wondering how they can rock in something that all that's like rock and rock and roller coaster. <laughs> I knew you were going to say, that. <laughs> but uh, yeah, you're absolutely right. It's like it would be like taking Aerosmith and replacing it with Led Zeppelin or something and calling it rockin. Yeah, it's it's just I, mean, I can understand the whole Space Mountain thing. I mean, you put a bunch of uh, of stage lighting in there and you just throw the place into a major major disco nightmare right <laughs> and and put a uh, put a rock soundtrack to it and that could be fun but uh, an outdoor I, I just I can't figure that one out the only thing I could think of is maybe it's going to be a nighttime thing and they light it really differently uh, still I mean yeah, I, I don't I, know I, yeah weird but uh, yeah, yeah. The, the weirdest part was that the new-ish Space Mountain sign out there, when they when they did the whole rehab of Space Mountain out there, has this other feature to it where they can turn off some of the lights and turn on different lights, and it actually says Rockin' Mountain instead of Space Mountain. But I guess maybe they're not going to use that now, or I don't know. Yeah, it says Rocket Mountain. Or Rocket Mountain, exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And from what I understand, yeah, it's, it's now going to be called Rockin' Space Mountain. So either they're going to pull out some pixels and put in other ones or whatever, because it's not like a diamond vision screen or anything they can't just reprogram it it's actually leds that are in there so yeah i don't know what they're going to do with that but i suppose uh, it's just one of those things that you know maybe they just fell through the cracks or they decided to devote their attention to other other items they figured eh, we just did a space mountain rehab we don't need to do it again right yeah and and that uh speaking of you know we've done other things uh wasn't there a some sort of online pirates game or something that was supposed to happen last year? There were a lot of people really looking forward to that. It's a massively multiplayer online role playing game, which is a mouthful unto itself. Yeah, but, that's the uh, one. Yeah, it, it's um, supposed to be this huge, amazing adventure where you get to be a pirate and develop your character and do all the leveling up and and go through this huge world. And people were very disappointed to find out that it wasn't coming out till two thousand seven. Oh, so it is still coming out. 
Yeah, they're still working on it, but uh, it debuted, uh, at least previews, way back at E3, which, gosh, I want to say was February or March, and everyone was expecting them to say, hey, we're almost done this summer, you get to play this Pirates game, then it'll coincide with the movie, and then it turns out it's actually coinciding, I believe, with the third movie. Oh, interesting. I'm not a big online, well, even offline game player, so the, this one equates to nothing for me. But uh, but for those of us, uh, or those of you who play games and I, I, i'm pretty sure you're going to be all over this one right yeah it sounds like a lot of fun uh, it's one of those that you have to pay a monthly fee for so i don't know how long i'm going to be playing it but i'll definitely give it a shot uh just as i did with the virtual magic kingdom i will i'll likely get bored of it after a little while but it sounds like it'll be fun for at least at least a few months yeah that could be yeah well that's interesting what uh what else uh, do we have there that didn't happen last year think of anything I, I'm not sure if there's a, a, anything else. Disney seemed to stick pretty well to everything that was planned and even, you know, came out with some stuff we certainly weren't expecting. Okay, well, that's good. Then what's uh, what are we going to do next year then to, uh, to kind of bring this to a close? Gosh, well, looking back uh, last year, I'm just looking at our list that we said, uh, you know, last year we said 2006 and beyond. We had Finding Limo, Living Seas. We got that. Jack Sparrow. We got that in the Pirates. We got Cars. We have uh, Pirates 2. We had Everest. The only item that didn't come about was uh, at the time due for 07, so they aren't really behind on it. That's the Finding Nemo submarine ride out at Disneyland. Right. Yeah. And that, from what I understand, is just a little bit delayed, but is uh, is actually still going to happen in 2007. And the, the only problem I have with that at all is I understand that the ride capacity on that is so uh, is so little that less than half of your average day at Disneyland guests are going to be able to get on it. Did you wow. Hear? I didn't, I didn't hear that at all, but that wouldn't surprise me because I, you know, I, I was never on the old sub ride out at Disneyland, but just thinking about the capacity of the old 20,000 league ri- leagues ride that was here, I could definitely see that as being true. Yeah. And that's, that will be a, a major problem if, uh, you know, I was talking to somebody at work today about it and I said, you know, if, if you're going to go down there this year and you want to get on that ride, go early and plan to spend a couple of hours because there's going to be a huge, huge line for it. Like there is for, for Nemo, uh, in Epcot's, uh, Epcot. And, um, it, uh, it's going to be even worse because it's, it's the subs. I mean, it, it only takes 60 some odd people, I think at a time. Yeah, well, I, regardless of the wait, I am really looking forward to that ride. 20,000 Leagues out here was one of my favorites. I wish I had been able to go on the old submarine voyage out there. I know it was very similar, right. but uh, I'm looking forward to just boarding a sub in a Disney park again. Yeah, well, you can pretty much guarantee that I'll be out there with a video camera like you were with the Finding Nemo attraction at Epcot um, to, uh, to give you a first look, uh, although I'm sure... You won't watch it until you've been on it, right? (laughs) If I can help it, I'm going to try not to because I want to be completely blown away. Or even if I'm not blown away, I'll just be happy to be going underwater in a Disney park. That's one of the oldest memories that I have of coming to Walt Disney World from when I was very, very young was going on 20,000 Leagues. So to relive relive that, even in just a small bit, is going to be amazing. This is Captain Nemo speaking. (laughs) I I love that. Pete Renaday. Woohoo. All right, so let's see, 2006 and beyond, we were pretty much okay with, 2007, I think we've touched on everything, oh, no, 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 we got something coming up at Walt Disney World here pretty quickly, 
two events, I think it is, or is it one event that's split into two, the Pirates and Princesses thing? Yeah, that's actually one event. It's, uh, I don't know how they're going to pull it all together, but I've seen some banners around uh, Walt Disney World for it, and they definitely have brochures and things like that you can take, and there's just this whole big, uh, kind of along the lines of the Very Merry Christmas Party or the Not-So-Scary Halloween Nights. These are nights completely themed about pirates and princesses. Huh. Now, now here's a good question, and this came up because of MouseFest just recently. Do you consider, like at, at Disneyland, when we have our Christmas and we've got the parade and we've got the fireworks and we've got all of that stuff, and it just happens in the park during normal business hours. Out of Walt Disney World, you have to pay an additional $40 to see that stuff. When I was out there, I watched the the fireworks from Narcosis across the water because I wasn't going to pay to get in there to see that. Do you consider that to be a good thing? Is Are they worth it? Um, well, let me put it this way. I've never gone to Not So Scary or Very Merry Christmas Party. So you don't know. Uh, well, no, it's because of the fee. That's uh, the reason I've never gone. I would absolutely go check it out and take it all in if it was just a normal part of daily operation. Uh-huh. But uh, because, like you said, an extra 30 or $40 to get in, and I've already got my, you know, now it's $350 annual pass or whatever it is. Yeah. I, I don't feel like I need to pay that extra, like you said, to be able to see just a, you know, a, a special, special fireworks show and a special parade. Yeah, the, the fireworks were definitely cool to see from across the water, but I just, I didn't see myself paying that extra money to to go in for just a, a special event like that. Some people that went in said it was, you know, it was really cool that the uh, the parade is better than the, the one at Disneyland. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, definitely bigger because you guys have got big floats out there, but um I, I, you know, I don't know. Maybe next year. I don't know. But I could I could see how this one would be a little bit different because those are like Christmas and Halloween. This is something a little more specific. It's it's, you know, pirates and princesses, something that if if it was normally taking over the park for a night, you'd be really confused. You'd think there was like a movie premiere or something. No, that's so true. This, this sounds more like it is a hard ticketed event. Yeah, that's that's a good point. And are they planning or do do you know of any major, major deals that are going to be going on on those nights? Uh, as far as I can tell, it's going to be kind of the same old, same old. It's going to be characters and uh, parades and fireworks and things like that. So there there will be specific fireworks for that night and, and stuff like that? I'm not 100% sure, but uh, it certainly wouldn't surprise me. Don't you love it when I do that to you? <laughs> All right, uh, let's see. So we got Pirates and Princesses. I'm trying to think of what else we got going. One that's uh, really going to drive me nuts, possibly, is uh, this whole new health food kick, uh, or at least the lack of trans fats kick that the entire country seems to be on. I hope that doesn't uh, call for the end of my chicken strips. Oh, yes. I got to enjoy those chicken strips at the uh, Harbor House with you during your meet uh, at Mouse Fest. And they were very good. I do have to admit that I was more impressed with the honey mustard sauce than I was with the actual chicken strips. <laughs> but with no trans fats, is the, uh, the honey mustard sauce going to be able to be there? It's uh, interesting that they're uh, that they're taking this up. I guess they want to be on the cutting edge of the whole health trend kind of thing. Well, I've yeah, from what I hear, uh, you know, lots of restaurants are going on this on this kick, and and I heard that uh, Kentucky Fried Chicken, which is now once again called Kentucky Fried Chicken instead of KFC. Oh, really? Um, yeah, they they have changed back because they've said that they are now uh, been able to w- rework their fried chicken recipe to taste the same, but not have the unhealthy ingredients like trans fats. 
Oh, that's interesting. That, that'll be interesting to see just how that is, because I'm a big KFC fan. So once they make that change, it'll be interesting to see if they can actually keep the taste. Yeah, well, that, and that's what I'm I'm hoping with the chicken strips. I mean, if they can make those things healthy and I can eat them, I'll be over there every day. I mean, I'll say I'm on a chicken strip diet. <laughs> well, I don't think they're going to be that healthy. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, definitely they won't kill you. You won't uh, die of a heart attack as you're walking through Tomorrowland or anything. Right. Not for, for a couple of decades, at least. Right. Yeah. Um, can you think of anything else that we got? To, we There's got a on? lot of rumor uh, speaking. We were talking about the Columbia Harbor House just across the way from there is the the Haunted Mansion out here, which ours, as you well know, is not in the best shape right now. Oh, yeah. Um, the, there's a lot of stuff out of sync and doom buggies crackling and not working and all of that kind of thing. Yeah. Well, ab- uh, absolutely. <laughs> Yeah, evidently, uh, we're going to be getting, at the very least, a, a good sprucing up and rehab, and part of that may very well be the opening of a brand new, huge uh, gift shop and photo opportunity right there at the exit. Is that uh, where the FastPass machines used to be? No, the FastPass machines uh, used to be actually to the left of the entrance. Right. Uh, this would be, um, as you're getting off the Doom Buggies, you walk through kind of that dark tunnel with the acapella music playing before you get to the exterior crypt. And uh, evidently, supposedly, somewhere in the course of that that area there, they're going to open up a new door out to what is currently backstage area where they're going to build a whole new something that may be a gift shop and or photo op purchasing area. So you're thinking maybe an, a, a ride photo, as in like they'll take your picture while you're on the mansion? Yep, uh, a long time ago, well, not so that long ago, I'd say a year to two years ago, they were testing the photo opportunity when you are, you have the, the hitchhiking ghost in the doom buggy with you. They had a whole new lighting scheme there at the end when you're looking in the mirror, and they had, you could see these little kind of LED things looking at you, but it never did anything, and evidently that was them testing some kind of infrared, uh, you know, photo that they could take of you without using a flash, because obviously that would ruin a lot of the effect there. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Huh. Well, that ought to be interesting. And then that, that may be coming in 2007, you said? It's Yeah, it's been long rumored. People have spotted a lot of Imagineers walking around over there with blueprints in hand. And, and there have been a lot of, of tips toward building a very elaborate gift shop themed like the rest of the Haunted Mansion. Huh. Interesting. Well, I guess that'll be one to to look and see what comes of that. I don't I don't know about a Haunted Mansion gift shop, but... I've heard of your Haunted Mansion collection that you talk about on your show. And <laughs> yeah, <I'm, clears throat> if there's a Haunted Mansion gift shop, uh, I'll certainly be there and I'll own one of everything and my wallet will be uh, that much lighter. Yeah, absolutely. I, I thought of something, too, we hadn't talked about um, for things that are coming in 2007 or at least rumored to be coming in 2007. Uh, the Kira Knightley and Orlando Bloom characters in the Pirates of the Caribbean. Yeah, I'm not sure what to make of that. Uh, I believe it was Dick Cook that hinted uh, at it at, yeah. what point, at one point, and I don't know if he was supposed to say anything or if he was just making things up, but we haven't heard anything since. And that, and it, that guy doesn't make slips like that. I, I don't, yeah. yeah, that's just, he's he's way too smooth for that, and and I don't know why that uh, that would have come out, but that's that's kind of weird. Especially since Kira Knightley has come out and officially said that Pirates uh, 3, the movie that's coming out in May at World's End, is definitely going to be her last film. They haven't officially said that that's going to be the last Pirates film, but she said she's done with it at that point. Really? That's too bad. 
that she, you know, being a guy, she was, she <laughs> yeah. was my kid, you know, she was my Johnny Depp in the, you know, in the movie. Well, uh, she said she's been, she's been playing Elizabeth Swan since she was 17 years old and has uh, progressed very uh, far as far as her acting career goes and wants to move beyond that character. Well, I guess you don't want to be typecast. Right. Yeah. Well, that makes sense. All right. So we got, uh, we got that, we got pirates changes what? over at, uh, over at Epcot. This, uh, I just thought of, uh, El Rio del Tiempo, one of my favorite rides over there. Nice slow moving boat ride is going to be shut down for the first, uh, three months or so of 2007, possibly to add some characters from the three caballeros. Yeah. I actually had Patrick go and ride that, uh, while we were waiting for, uh, for dinner the night that the space shuttle took off and, uh, <clears throat> he, uh, he rode that and the the Norway attraction because first off he had never been out there so he had never ridden any of them but El Rio del Tiempo because he wanted to ride it before they added the three caballeros characters right. yeah well yeah. i would imagine that in in 3 months time i mean that ride is definitely old and needs some sprucing up so they'll take a lot of that time to fix it up and make a, you know all those really really old looping film projections make them possibly look new again and to also install all these new characters in there would be a pretty large under undertaking for just three months. Yeah. Although, you know, if they're just adding the characters in, if they've got them set up, you know, backstage or in Glendale or wherever in the heck uh, WDI is, right. um, you know, if they've got them all set up and everything, all they got to do is take them down there. That's not all that uh, extensive an attraction. They've just got to run the cables and put the characters down and and put the you know they can put all the electronics in behind the scenes like that could all be in already yeah so, just just a matter of how extensive they're going to be integrating them in there yeah it's you know that was not a thrilling attraction and uh and so if they're going to add the three caballeros in there i say you know weeha that would be great <laughs> i always liked it it was one of my favorites i was trying to think of something three caballeros to do but i can't mimic the sound of a gun so <laughs> that's uh, all right uh we got i guess one final uh thing over at epcot which is something we said last year too and and who knows if this is ever going to become true the wonders of life has reopened again and body wars is open cranium command and all of that it's open right now supposedly only open till the end of the year and supposedly going away but who knows i um i got to say my goodbyes this year so I, you know, I'm, I'm not okay with it if it goes away, but if it goes away, it's okay. If you, uh, right. if you know what I mean, because I, I got to see it, Patrick got to see it, uh, that sort of thing. Um, body wars, obviously yawn fest, um, and you know, and make me want to puke. So I'm okay with it. <laughs> you know, let's get rid of that. But cranium command that one of the unique attractions that they have out there, it's educational, it's fun. It's absolutely unique to Walt Disney world. They don't have that any place right. else. So, you know, and I'm sure I said all of this last year, but, you know, the the actual pavilion needs a serious makeover. I, I, there was four people in that pavilion when I was in there, Pat, <laughs> Patrick, me, and a lady and her kid. And I had to tell her, go around all the way to the back. There's a thing back there right. called Cranium Command because there's no signs. There's no nothing. Right. You know, it just looked empty. Well, it's pretty much one of those things that they thought was closed and, and suddenly they told a bunch of cast members, hey, you need to go man these attractions because we're going to open up. We're expecting a whole lot of crowds. 
Yeah. Well, luckily they didn't materialize, so there was no wait for anything when I when I was there. But uh, you know, I I I hope they just redo it and they don't get rid of Cranium Command. I mean, it's yeah, it's full of '80s kitsch references and things like that, the Huns and Franz and all that other stuff. But that's just such a neat little attraction. I I don't want that to go away. But the pavilion. Yeah, let, let's get in there, pull a bunch of stuff out, and, uh, you know, they can have the ride through the lack of trans fats attraction or something like that, <laughs> you know, it's, it's yeah, up, I, update it. I don't see them keeping with the theme, uh, you know, they've pretty much replaced slowly every other edutainment attraction at Epcot, or, or they're working on it, so I, I could definitely see Wonders of Life going the way of Horizons, and everything else and just vanishing just too bad i just hope that that's i i I would hope for one more year i hope when we go back for mouse fest 2007 that it's uh that it's open again but who knows the future we'll just have to wait and see yep exactly uh 2007 is coming up and uh i mean last year we said you know how could we top everything that happened in 2005 and i think 2006 definitely did it and we can only hope for some more amazing things coming out of the world of Disney in 2007. Absolutely. And that's uh, that's what we'll talk about a year from now. I think we've got ourselves a yearly, uh, a yearly podcast going here. I'm- I think so. I remember last year after we got done with it, a lot of people enjoyed it. So uh, here we are again, and uh, hopefully we'll both still be going at it uh, a year from now. Well, I know that I got a number of people emailing and said, are you and Ricky going to do this again? And, and I forwarded those over to you, and that's what caused this one to happen. So if you guys do, in fact, enjoy Ricky and I sitting here for an hour and however long it's been and uh, chatting about what's been going on, send us emails and let us know. Uh, my information podcast at window to the magic.com window to the magic.com, of course, is the address where you go to find out everything about me. Ricky, uh, what, tell them yours because I don't remember. <laughs> well, it's uh, yeah, mine's a little bit longer and a little stranger. But anyway, it's uh, inside the magic at distantcreations.com is where you can email me and give me your thoughts on just about anything. And of course, you can find inside the magic on the web at www.distantcreations.com slash inside the magic. Well, great. It's been fun talking with you, Ricky. It was fun meeting you at MouseFest, and uh, I hope everyone enjoys this as much as I enjoyed sitting here chatting with you. I hope so, too. It's been, uh, again, a fun year, and I look forward to another year of Window to the Magic, Inside the Magic, and everything else out there. If you put the word magic in it, we hope it continues, right? (laughs) Exactly. Sounds great. I will talk to you later. Thanks for joining me. I would like to thank you all for listening to the windowtothemagic.com podcast in 2006 as we continue our second year of bringing you the best audio experiences from throughout the wonderful world of Disney. We appreciate your feedback, so be sure to email or call us soon. Email podcast at windowtothemagic.com. Call us at 206-984-9886 or join the Disney Podcast Network discussion forums by visiting disneypodcastnet.com and join in on the conversation. And be sure to tune in next week when I will once again take you into the wonderful world of Disney sound experiences and we will once again hear some MouseFest audio. This has been windowtothemagic.com podcast number 76. 
Happy New Year, everyone, and I'll see you in 2007. This show is a member of the Disney Podcast Network family, hosted by Jeff at Meandering Mouse. The DPN is a collective discussion forum consisting of some of the finest unofficial Disney podcasts available on the internet. Pay a visit to www.disneypodcastnet.com and join in on all the fun with your favorite Disney podcasters and listeners. Surround yourself with the magic.